When the whole family comes together to watch the game, nobody wants to miss a second of the action to run to the grocery store. With Instacart, you can get all your weekly groceries in as fast as an hour. Less time shopping means more game time. Let's go. Visit instacart.com to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. $10 minimum per order. Additional terms apply. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and the restrictions may apply. Analysis by Eucalypt Speed Test Intelligence Data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Well, you probably remember that from the opener last year when the Eagles went to Detroit and DeAndre Swift went crazy. Good news. Now he gets to do that for the Eagles. Traded yesterday to Philadelphia. We'll talk about that coming right up. I'm Glenn Mack now on a rainy Sunday morning, joined by my pal Jody McDonald. Jody, what's up with you today? How are you, partner? First things first, a belated happy birthday. Uh, I thought I was going to be able to wish you happy birthday on your birthday. We hadn't worked on your birthday in uh, many a year, and sure enough, last Sunday, I was right. Oh, that's right. Glenn's off on his birthday. Damn, I forgot that. Yeah, I took uh, so Hung ho- out with the grandsons. Thank you. Hopefully you had a happy birthday last week. Oh, yeah. Great time with the kids. Oh, yeah. Very nice. Uh, and one other note before we start to break down the outstanding last couple of days the Eagles have had and pretty damn improved days the Phillies have had, I want to congratulate my daughter. You got to hang with your grandkids last night. I'm happy that I'm not hanging with my daughter today because right now she is trudging down Broad Street. Oh. Uh, for the first time in her life, she's uh, she got into the Broad Street run. She's been an athlete forever, basketball, high school basketball player, and has kept up with her fitness over the years since graduation. And she uh, got an application and got into the Broad Street run today. So I texted her yesterday. I said, do they have a rain-out date for this? She goes, no, Dad, rain or shine. <laughs> so. So uh, she is out there because she's not a professional runner. She's probably uh, – it was supposed to start at 8 o'clock. My guessing with 34,000 people, she probably got off somewhere at about 8.30 or 8.40. So I think she's probably still on Broad Street, but it's pretty damn cool that she gets to run past Temple where she went to school and finish up where her team, the Phillies, uh, play their season. So I just wanted to congratulate her, and I will just say if she's listening, which I know she's not, get warm. Get somewhere, get warm, get dried off. Congratulations, dear. Good for her. Congratulations. And I, and I know a lot of people who run who say they actually like to run in the rain, but I don't think they're talking about this kind of rain today. It's both a blessing and a curse. It's nice because if, if, if you're sweating, you're hot, and you're putting in that effort, you get an immediate cool down from the rain. But you also put on a couple extra pounds, sopping wet, dripping from the running clothes you're wearing. So it's both an upside and a downside. And pretty windy out there today. Anyway, it has been, uh, as you referenced, a terrific weekend for the Philadelphia Eagles. We're going to talk about that. To start the show, we will get into the Phillies, who have now won 7 out of 8. We'll talk about the Sixers, who go 
up against the Celtics in round two tomorrow. Oh, without Joel Embiid, who could have foreseen an injury ruin in their year? But let us start. You heard the highlight of DeAndre Swift coming into the show. They pick him up yesterday, Jody, for I believe the official uh, price was a ham sandwich. <laughs> Last year, DeAndre Swift played 14 games, 14 to 17, just 99 carries, but he averaged five and a half yards per. Caught 48 passes for 390 yards over the course of his three-season career. More of a pass catcher than a runner. Averages 52 catches a year. uh, Averages just 120 rushes a year. 25 touchdowns over three. 4.6 yards per carry playing on this Detroit team. What's your immediate sense of it? Well, I think it's a really nice addition. Uh, Number one, he did have five touchdowns last year. And they had Jamal Williams, who this side of Jalen Hurts was probably the best inside the five-yard line runner in the National Football League. And he became their goal line guy. If not, then DeAndre would have had his usual eight, nine, ten touchdowns. Uh, He had slightly less this past year. But he rushed for 5.5 yards per carry. That's damn good. He is very good at catching the ball out of the backfield. I know Eagle fans and the media guys who cover the Eagles made a big deal about that during this offseason. Oh, they need somebody to catch the ball. It's a key element. When you got Jalen Hurts, you're not going to do that all that much. Uh, a lot of times catches out of the backfield are third and fourth checkdowns where you're just trying to avoid getting sacked and let's get something out of this. No, Jalen Hurts is going to take off and run. When that happens to him, he's not going to sit around in the pocket, wait for his fourth checkdown, and dump it to a guy out of the backfield. So I think it's less important for the Eagles than it is a lot of teams in the National Football League. But it's a nice uh, bullet to have in your gun if you can fire it. And, yeah, he's very good at that. I think he'll be as good as Kenny Gainwell next year. So I had suggested on the the Birds 365 show that I do on Friday, it made some sense. When the Lions uh, took Jameer Gibbs as high as they did, really, number 12 in the draft, and it signed David Montgomery during this offseason as a free agent, it seemed like they were ready to move on for Swift. So I thought he'd be a perfect fit with the Eagles. He fits a lot of the categories of what they've done this offseason inexpensive, short-term. He's only got a million and change hit this year on the cap. I thought they'd be willing to move him for a future fourth, two years down the road, a fourth-round draft yeah. pick. Yeah. I, I, When I saw that 20, 2025, what year are we in? I had to double-check what year we were actually in in my own mind. Uh, yeah, I think low-cost, potential high-reward, outstanding trade by Howie Roseman. So the running back room, and by the way, yes, uh, kudos to you for uh, saying that on Friday morning on that show. Ray Dinger is going to join us later. He said the same thing when he was on TV Friday. Uh, Two smart guys I get to work with. So the Eagles' current running back room is DeAndre Swift, Rashad Penny, Kenneth Gainwell, Boston Scott. Uh, You want to put in Trey Sermon. They say they like him. We'll see. Kennedy Brooks. Yeah, so combined salary of all of these guys this year is $7.8 million, which is just over 2% or under 3% of the salary cap. So they're getting what appears to be the ultimate running back by committee and not spending anything for it. So you like that. I was, I was in the... I was not in the they must draft Bijan Robinson class, but I was of the I would not mind to see it happen the way it works out, where they get uh, what they get in the first round. They get Carter in the first round, Jalen Carter with that pick, uh, and then pick up, improve the running back later. Worked out perfectly. Um, 
And it was an amazing weekend, Jody, because he was kind of the last piece of the puzzle. He Swift was the last piece of the puzzle yesterday. I think it happened around one thirty-five. As I was driving home at the time from my show, after they had drafted every available, every other available since he's won two, George Bulldog on what was an amazing weekend for Eagles fans. Jody Mack, I will tell you that what people project in draft report cards and what comes to are not always the same thing, right? We know that. Sure. Meanwhile, I just want to read you some of the draft report cards that we got this week. Mel Kuyper gives the Eagles an A. Will Brinson, CBS Sports. Jalen Carter was a steal in the first round if he reaches his potential. Nolan Smith felt like great value, and Keely Ringo has plenty of upside. Uh, NFL Network, A-. Cody Benjamin, CBS. The rich get richer. The Eagles already boasted a Super Bowl-caliber roster coming into the draft. They managed to stockpile talent at several premium positions otherwise. Sporting News, A+. Uh, The Ringer, A+. Pro Football Focus, which I don't always love, but whatever, gave both the Eagles and the Giants an A+. (laughs) <laughs> and, and not Jerry Jones. That's fire Jerry Jones. Um, now, there is nobody who, who appears not to love the Eagles draft, so I ask you, my wise friend, does it mean anything? Yeah, sure, it does. Uh, is it the be-all, end-all? Does it guarantee anything? No, it doesn't guarantee a thing. But these are educated uh, guys who've been following the league for a long time. You and I have the same relationship with pro football focus. It's kind of love-hate. When they match up with what I think, I go, oh, my God, they're, they're, they're verifying this for me with all the tape work that they do. But sometimes they have uh, uh, particular scouting reports and evaluation that I go, wait, are they watching the same thing I'm watching? In no friggin' way. So uh, I, I kind of run hot and cold with Pro Football Focus. And you're right, they gave an A+. Plus. They gave five teams A+. Plus. And I went through it last night because I do. I, I'm on Pro Football Focus all the time because that's what they do. They put out grades. All these other outlets, are uh, they, they grade the draft, and that's about it. And then they put their uh, grade book away for the next year. Pro Football Focus does it every day. Giants, Eagles, Colts and Cardinals, what do those two teams have in common? Uh, Former Eagle coordinators. That's correct. (laughs) Uh, Now head coaches and the Steelers were the other team. They had five A-pluses, the Eagles, the Giants, the two former Eagle coaches in Indianapolis and in uh, Arizona. So, yeah, it's nice. It's something you can puff your chest up about. But uh, once they get out there on the field, uh, we'll find out exactly how good their drafts were. But today, if you want to be excited about the Eagle draft, if you want to take in information from other people, who should know more than you do about what you're talking about. Oh, yeah, the Eagles flat out killed it this weekend. Um, yeah, and in fact, there was even a report, uh, I think it was profootballtalk.com, that said uh, other general managers around the league were getting angry at how much praise Harry Roseman was getting. <laughs> so they're getting jealous that he's getting all those good words. Let's break it down a little bit because – at, at, at top end, if all this works, then they will, and Roseman will be a genius, and they will be a powerhouse for years to come. But these are not without question marks. And the first one is Jalen Carter. Oh, yeah. I haven't had the chance to talk to you. Uh, did the show, did the draft Thursday night with uh, the gang, Ike and Hugh and Joe and all the guys. Uh, and I got to work yesterday with Mike Sealski. But I want to kind of get your sense on it. 
he is a guy who is regarded as a top talent in the league, probably the most talented defensive player in the draft. But he slipped to nine, and he slipped to nine for reason. Um, what's your thoughts on on him as a draft pick, and how high risk is this pick? Um, you and I have used this phrase together for many a year, and we're not the only ones who use it. Everybody does if they talk sports, cover sports. And it goes beyond just sports, too. Risk-reward. Yeah. This is a risk-reward pick. The reward is off the charts that he could become someday. Aaron Donald gets a little old. He's the best defensive tackle in the National Football League. That's what his talent level says he could be. Risk is, yeah, there's a reason he dropped down to number nine if he was ranked number one on people's boards uh, back in November, which is just a handful of months ago. He had major issues off the field. There were rumors about him being a tough-to-coach young man, that not everybody on the Georgia staff enjoyed coaching him, liked him. Oh, there there is risk involved here. And give the Eagles credit because they're assuming that risk, not only as a player and, and trying to get the production out of him, but Howie Roseman on the record said, we have faith in our room, our guys, our culture, that when this young man gets here, that we're going to be able to help him mature. And we're going to be able to help him grow as a person, as a human being. Well, you're taking on that responsibility. If he's not, then it's on you. It's not just, oh, he's a bad kid. No, he's a bad kid that you said you could get in line and you could get with your program. So I appreciate the fact that the Eagles are taking on the challenge only time will tell, Mac, man. What the yeah. Eagles have going for them is they've got some really good veteran guys like Brandon Graham, like Fletcher Cox. He's got teammates they should look up to that have already made it in the NFL, whereas he's showing up for his first training camp. The pieces are in place for them to be able to, to help this kid make the transition from college to pro. I think for him, it's the best thing that could have happened. I think for him, he goes into a franchise that has, as you said, that culture, those veteran guys, the Brandon Grahams, the Fletcher Coxes, the guys who will both hold his feet to the fire and set the example that he's got to meet. He's going into the right place. Doesn't mean it's going to work. Doesn't. I've never met the kid. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, you hope that all the Eagles research and, and the name that's become a household name is Dom DeSandro, who's the Eagles head of security. And I know his job entails a lot more than that. But he's the guy who does all the investigation and that any stern, any stone that could be turned, he turned. Uh, and that this works out because the upside is terrific. Okay. Nolan Smith was the pick at the back end of the first round. Again, was projected to go higher. Looked like he was going to go somewhere 10, 12. There was some talk that maybe it was coming off the pectoral injury, but really the sense seems to be he's going to have to play effectively at 240, and that could be tougher in the NFL. It's going to be up to the new defensive coordinator to figure out how to use it and make it work. You already have Son Reddick, kind of undersized, but extremely effective at that position. What's your take, Jody McDonald, on the Nolan Smith pick? Debated with, and it might have been even, well, no, you see, you weren't on last night. I don't know how long we go back talking about the draft, you and I, and projecting and predicting, uh, but certainly on my regular shows and on my Bird 365 show. I did not want to see the Eagles take Nolan Smith at 10. 
because I thought there would be a reproduction of what Hassan Reddick gives them. You put two 240-pound guys out there on the defensive line, you're daring the other team to rush you. And if he's going to be your first pick, number 10, the guy you think is making the biggest difference in your draft, I would have liked a bigger guy. They got him at 30. I I was a little skittish at 10. At 30, I flat-out love him as a pick because he is undervalued. You don't have to, uh, whatever the snap breakdown's going to be, you don't have to push the envelope with him the first year, and you can bring him along slowly. You can use him uh, when you give Hassan Reddick some downs off rather than have to pair him with Hassan Reddick. The guy's got a tremendous upside. The only issue I had with him is, are you reproducing what you already got from Hassan Redick. Now he's just more of a depth piece because you already added a defensive lineman. They could have gone in another direction at 10. They added a defensive lineman at 9 and then they come back and add him for just that much more depth along the defensive line. Again, another outstanding pick by Howie Roseman. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, there's nothing you say that I don't agree with. Questions, will he be effective? But the value you get where you picked him is really tough to argue. Um, they draft safety Sidney Brown in the uh, in the third round. To me, looks like a guy you hope is going to offset the loss of C.J. Gardner-Johnson, known to be a, a heavy, a hard hitter. Uh, they draft offensive tackle Tyler Steen at uh, Alabama. Not sure where he'll play down the road. Could be guard, could be tackle. Um, and they draft a cornerback named Keely Ringo. Love the name, Jody. Uh, yesterday morning, who is going to have a chance to learn behind Darius Lay and James Bradbury and gives him a really nice stack cornerback rotation. Any thoughts on those gentlemen? Yeah, and I'll go one more on you. The uh, young man they took in the sixth round, uh, Tanner McKee. Um, Sidney Brown, I forget where I read this morning, but uh, somebody put up a great article about him being a red star player, that the Eagles, when they get together and have all their meetings and hear from all their scouts, of course they're grading their football skills and what they do on the field, but if the scout says that this guy's character is above and beyond and has gotten through tough times and the like, they give him a red star. That was Howie said that, yeah. Howie Howie, uh, explained it all yesterday. And I saw a great feature. I'm pretty sure it was on ESPN, but it could have been the NFL Network, about he and his twin brother were living up in Canada in poverty. Their mom, single mom, just trying to keep a roof over their head and a meal on the table. Uh, They became good young football players. And she said... If you guys can get a college scholarship, I think we need to move to the United States because the college football uh, advantages in Canada aren't as great as they are here in the U.S. So she took her two sons and moved to Florida just for the sake of them being able to get a chance to play football and get college scholarships, and both of them did, and both of them were drafted in the NFL draft. So, yeah, they're a great story. And he's a talented player. Uh, Most mocks I saw had him going in the second round the Eagles got him later in the third round that's a talented uh, again how he got value with almost every single guy that he drafted and I uh, inadvertently tweeted yesterday that because uh, the quarterback that I specifically like came off the board in the fourth round yesterday, uh, Jake Hayner from Fresno State, I said, well, it doesn't look like the Eagles are going to get a uh, development quarterback in this year's draft. And then they got Tanner McKee in the sixth round. 
Before the year started, Mac, you know I take uh, my evaluating of college quarterbacks very seriously. Oh, yes, you do. Yes, I do. So I had my producer this summer from CBS Sports Radio reach out to four universities because there were four quarterbacks I really liked before the season started. Ohio State said C.J. Stroud not available. Alabama didn't even get back to us. They just blow people off. Uh, so I wanted certainly to talk to Bryce Young. Jake Hayner from Fresno State, pretty disappointed that Fresno State uh, will we'll pump it. His Heisman Trophy uh, possibilities. Yeah, that was a reach. But you do anything to get the player on. They they just they they actually got back to us. We corresponded with them. We just couldn't work out of time. And I reached out to Stanford for Tanner McKee because I was impressed with the guy's arm. And I knew Stanford wasn't going to be a great team. But I said, this kid's actually got a chance to be an NFL quarterback. He didn't have a very good year. Now, most people write it off to, yeah, he had nothing around him. The offensive line was Swiss cheese, and they didn't have talented uh, skill position players. But I've seen this kid play a bunch of times. You know I'm on the air late Saturday nights, so I get to see yeah, West Coast football. <laughs> so that's why I got Stanford. Fresno State is two guys I have my eye on. Yeah. Uh, and I did like him, and he came on the show. And he was a really smart young man and uh, said all the right things and handled his business very well. And I had completely forgotten that he was still on the board when I tweeted, up, oh, no for, uh, developmental quarterback. And sure enough, they grabbed McKee. Uh, he's completely different than Jalen Hurts. He's a pocket guy. He's not going to make plays with his legs, which now most college quarterbacks do. But the kid can flat out spin it. And uh, he'll be fun to keep an eye on in camp to see if he can make this team. Nice. All right. Well, I think we're both pretty enthused about it. We know the whole city is very enthused about it. Let's talk to people. 215-592-9494. Wow, our first call is from San Diego. Aaron, I imagine you're on your first morning cup of coffee while you call us. <laughs> yeah, actually in the backyard doing some uh, yard work. Uh, got a nice marine layer, so it's actually pretty nice out here today. Nice. Um, very nice. Gentlemen, how, how are you this morning? Great. Very good. So, uh, Jody, I guess uh, Jeff Stoutland wasn't the only one that was looking at uh, Paris Johnson like a fat kid looks a cake, huh? <laughs> yeah, he came off the, pre- the board pretty quickly. And I feared that was going to be the case. Shoot, that's why I said I don't think the Eagles are getting Jalen Carter. I didn't think he'd be there at 9, 8, at 9 or 10. They had to move up one slot to get him. No big deal. I also thought Paris Johnson would be gone before the Eagles picked at 10. Yeah, I just a, a couple points. Jalen Carter is just the ceiling is just so high on this guy, uh, and the floor is is still high. You know, even if he doesn't pan out to be the Hall of Famer that people think he will be, you know, he's going to be uh, he can be a, a, a usable defensive tackle for for a good number of years. Um, and then I love that Nolan Smith. Just that interview alone, I, I just I fell in love with that kid. And, yeah, he came um, on I'm for a little while. Him play. I'm going to disagree with you on Jalen Carter a little bit. I do agree with you that Nolan, I, I really like the way Nolan Smith came off. Uh, I think Jalen Carter is either going to be great or he's he's going to be a, a flop, a bust. Uh, let's root for great. Let's plan on great, but I don't I don't see in between. Yeah, I I, yeah, I, I, I think you used the word usable. I'm with Glenn. He's not going to be a usable player. Either he's going to be a dominating player or he's going to be a player that does not stick around for a long period of time. Um, yeah, I, 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 Glenn and I both disagree with the way you're looking at uh, Carter. Yeah, and let's vote for great. <laughs> Yeah, as much, if, as if you say, say Jody, you got to make a bet right now, uh, boom or bust. I'm betting on boom, but bust is a possibility. 
215-592-9494. Coming up at 11, we'll review the draft with Ray Dittinger coming up at noon. Same thing with Brian Baldinger. Jody, we got some pretty smart people joining us today, which is a good thing. Uh, next, we will get into the 76ers. Things are not quite as rosy with that franchise as the Sixers begin round two of the playoffs against the Boston Celtics tomorrow. 215-592-9494. Jody Mack, Glenn Mack now. Sunday morning on 94 WIP. When the whole family comes together to watch the game, nobody wants to miss a second of the action to run to the grocery store. With Instacart, you can get all your weekly groceries in as fast as an hour. Less time shopping means more game time. Let's go. Visit instacart.com to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. $10 minimum per order. Additional terms apply. Why? Why? If you have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Oh, Jody Max, Sixers Celtics begin tomorrow. The Sixers have had nine days off, during which point you hope that Joel Embiid would have the opportunity to recover from the sprained knee. Uh, he's got a sprained LCL in his right knee. No indications are good. In fact, most of the reports that are out and who knows the accuracy of it, say that he's got a lot of pain in his knee. And uh, Jason Dumas, a bleacher report put up last night, the LCL strain is typically a four- to six-week recovery. It would be a pleasant surprise if he were able to play in either of the first two games in Boston. Uh, And we'll see after that. It is another year, another postseason injury for Joel Embiid. Jody, it just feels like getting kicked right in the sack one more year and the reason why this one might be even more painful than some of the others is uh when he got hit in the face in the playoffs and he had to come out in the phantom of the opera mask because you knew that his face had been pummeled you got to see it with your two very two own eyes and you knew that the guy was absolutely hurt and playing in pain and compromised I don't even know when it supposedly happened in that last game against the Nets, game number three. Yeah. Because he played the entire game. Then game four comes, and, oh, shoot, Embiid's not in the lineup. My first thought was, well, they're just being precautious. That They've got a 3 nothing lead. All right, if we don't have to win this game, what's the worst thing? We give Joel two extra days. We come back, we win it in front of the home folks in game number five. Well, they go out and win the game without him anyway, which was a pretty good feat. But all of a sudden, well, yeah, he's got this brain, and he's got a lot of swelling. And, he, and man, it just kept getting worse and worse and worse. So we didn't even see this one coming. Maybe that's why this is a little more painful. At least the other injuries you knew about, you knew exactly when it happened. 
you knew how he got hurt. This one was kind of under the, the, the radar. And as you said, all right, well, we got nine days off. Shoot, the Celtics even go to six to add two more days on the back end and start on Monday rather than on uh, Friday. So everything went their way except for the fact that the injury is pretty severe. And this is not good. I know they beat the Nets in that game four. The Celtics are not the Nets. This no. is a much tougher matchup. They're going to be an underdog anyway. And now without Joel Embiid, even though my guy, and I've been talking him up since the draft two years ago when he was a steal in the second round, Paul Reed has come a long way in a short time. He sure as hell isn't Joel Embiid. No. And this is severely no. compromising no. for the 76 No, it's all. it's just awful because it's the same damn story every year and this year was going to be different and he was the MVP and deserved the MVP and there was debate is he going to get it and now clearly he is going to get that award but ultimately that award doesn't mean anything if you can't get by the second round of the playoffs it, it, it is very, very difficult and challenging for the Sixers to be the Celtics with Joel Embiid. As you mentioned, they didn't beat him all year until the last game when Boston sat most of the guys who really mattered. That game I don't take much stock out of. No, um, the Celtics played most. They, they got Brown the night off. Otherwise, yeah, okay. Tatum played 30-plus. All right, the, well. The problem is, in that game, the one time they beat the 76ers, uh, 76 to beat the Celtics, Embiid went for 40-plus. Yeah, 50, I think 53, right? Yeah. yeah. Unbelievable game. Right. Uh, and all of a sudden, he's not going to be in the lineup. That's rather discouraging. All right. So, Keith Pompey, uh, who does a nice job for the Inquirer, points out the Sixers, the Sixers are 12-5 and five in games Embiid has missed this year, including mm-hmm. that closeout against the Nets. But I think I yet have to go back and look. You know, the the um, they sat him in my mind in games they kind of knew they were going to win, right? The load management was against teams that they didn't need him against. Yeah, but anytime you take the MVP out of the lineup, all of a sudden that game becomes a hell of a lot closer. You're, you're saying, oh, they, they play them against teams they're supposed to beat. Yeah, with Embiid. And okay. all of a sudden you don't have Embiid and you still go 12-5. and five. I, I'm going to hang my hat on that as a little bit of an optimistic outlook that they have been good. They have rallied. The other guys step up when Embiid's out of the lineup. And that game, five, game four against the Nets last round was a pretty damn good example of it. Yeah. Okay. Well, listen, I hope. I really do. I hope that he misses one game. If he misses, if he misses one game, I see a possibility they can win the series. If he misses both games in Boston, I would be shocked if they win either game in Boston, and then I think they're done. And I, I just, you know, I'll give you my official prediction in a moment. Um, but I just feel, and I'm sure you do, and I'm sure our listeners do. Like we travel down the same road every year, and it the the, the storyline never changes. I've been going down this road all year long, Glenn, that if you wanted to dream the dream as a 76er fan, that this was going to be the year where things were going to be different. It's not Groundhog's Day. Been there, done that, already seen it. Don't tease me with it again. We just went through this with the Phillies this past year. 
Oh, they're in the race till September, late September. They're knocking on the door of 500. Oh, they don't quite get the 500. They get two 500, but that's not good enough to make the playoffs. And in August of last year, I said, this is a different baseball team. You should get on the bandwagon. You should believe they're going to make the playoffs. This isn't going to be a just-missed-again year. And damn if they didn't do just that and end up in the World Series. I was hoping the 76ers were playing out the same exact way. They were winning games and doing things that they hadn't done in a while, and Doc Rivers was doing a great job coaching the team, which I'd kind of fallen out of love with Doc, and I had to fall back into love with Doc. But now the one thing you can't count on, the one thing you can't know, are injuries. And injuries to the MVP is something that you weren't banking on. That's where the groundhog has reared his ugly head again. All right. my uh, Let's go on the record here. My official prediction is Celtics in seven. If Embiid misses more than one game, my official prediction is Celtics in however many games it takes, which is five or six. I'll, uh, I have to agree with you. We're supposed to be honest when we do these shows. We're supposed to take off our uh, Sixers paraphernalia and take yeah. off the Sixers colored glasses. Yeah, I don't know that they would have beaten the Celtics. They could have beaten the Celtics if Embiid was healthy, and I've been saying that all year. Uh, they don't match up well. Matchups are a big part of basketball, and they just their team, what they do and how they do it, doesn't match up well with what the Sixers do, or what the Celtics do. And if you don't have Embiid to make up for some of those defensive deficiencies on the outside, his rim protection is a mega part of their defense. Yeah, I don't think they can beat the Celtics, with or without Embiid. With Embiid, it's a, it's close to a toss-up there, a slight underdog. Without Embiid, yeah, you're right. I don't think we get to a Game 7. Uh, I'm going to get to Bill and Doylestown in one second, but before. From a perspective of, of gut punch, of fan pain, can we agree it's it's tougher to be a Sixers fan than any of the other three teams in the city? And here's what. Listen, the Eagles won a Super Bowl in 2017, and the Eagles got back to the Super Bowl last year, right? These days, it's not tough to be an Eagles fan. It's great. It's gravy. Uh, the Phillies had that great run last year all the way to the World Series, and they, you know they're going to be in the race. The Braves are good. The Mets are good. But you know the Phillies are going to be around, and you'll get some degree of a reward. Uh, the Flyers, you just know, like, okay, uh, call me back in five years, right? You, you don't have to invest. There's no pain in following the Flyers because you just know they're going to be bad. So there's no emotional gut punch. The Sixers, it's year after year where, and you described it a minute ago, I was like, this is going to be the year. This one's going to be different. Look at how good they are in the regular season. They got the MVP. They're going to get past that second round. It's not going to be the triple doink shot. It's going to be different. And it's shaping up to be the same absolute put the kick me sign on my rear end and go for it. It depends on what type of a fan you are. Some fans, and I'm not saying either one is right or wrong. It's your own subjective decision. I would hate being a fan of a team that before the season starts, I know they have no chance. And that has been the Flyers way too often over the last 10 years. Well, that's true. So uh, there, there are some people that would say, no, I'd rather have no shot. No, I'm just watching because uh, I'm a fan of the sport and I'm a fan of the orange, even though I know the results aren't going to be good. Whereas the Sixers, I love your use of the phrase gut punch. They gut punch you every year. Yeah, it happens to you every year. So which pain do you prefer, the pain of the gut punch or the pain of 
why am I even watching? How can I get into another season and know my team has no chance? They're two different types of pain, and depending on which one you would uh, prefer to put up with, uh, that would help you decide between which of the two teams that plays in the Wells Fargo is tougher to root for. Here's why it's, I think, harder to be a Sixers fan than a Flyers fan. And, and I guess it depends. You're right. It depends on all your perspective. If you're a fan of all four local teams, right, you can almost say, like, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a conscientious objector from my Flyers fan, not get emotionally invested in it this year, follow the other teams, and just keep one eye on the Flyers. I'll be honest. With me with the Flyers this year, I probably watched a game every other week. I didn't watch the Flyers game in and game out this year. There was no there was no purpose to do it. So I didn't really get upset about it because I didn't watch it that much. If I if I lived in a one franchise city where that was the only show in town, it would kill me. But oh. here, I kind of, I, I mean, I step back. If that makes me a bad fan, so it does. But I wasn't going to watch 82 of those horrible games to watch Tony D'Angelo give the puck away in his own zone every night. I just wasn't going to do it. Whereas with the Sixers, my hopes have been built up. So when my hopes are built up, and then I foresee, hey, here's hoping I'm wrong and miracles occur, but I foresee the house falling down, that's worse for me. I see how you uh, um, put it into perspective and or rationalize it. Um, yeah, they're, they're two different types of oh, pain. Oh, it's a rationalization. Oh, I'll, exactly. I won't argue that. And uh, I, I here's the difference between you and me and the Flyers. I think I watched part of every single game they played this year. Oh, showed. I But usually you put the game on, you leave it on, you watch the entire game. Oh, I put it on and get – oh, they give up and go. Let me go see what – and I'll go watch a national game, which doesn't have Philadelphia implications, and then come back to – oh, they haven't scored. Go, Let me go back to the national game. And I would get off it. Yeah. I, I'd watch – I'd quote, unquote, watch the game, and I'd end up watching eight minutes of action of a 60-minute game because it would annoy me so much I had to get away from it. So, yeah, it all comes down to how you want to handle your fandom. Are uh, we looking at another gut punch again this week, MacMan? Looks like it. I think so. I hope not. I hope not. If he doesn't play, I, you know, I, I don't even know how you make the case. Here's how you make the case: be ball. Paul <laughs> to the rescue, the much maligned. And here's my, I, I really did. You know, oh, I take hero draft analysis uh, very seriously. I loved him when they picked him late in the second round. I said, yeah. this is a high energy kid, plays defense, rebounds like a machine. Right, he's got to work on his offense again a little bit. So I talked him up from day one when he became a 76er. And then last year. I used to get so annoyed at the refs in the NBA. And people, the refs will tell you, no, we just call what we see, call what we see, call what we see. Baloney. I don't know if it's premeditated or if it's subconscious. But when you're a rookie in the NBA, when you're a second-round rookie, you breathe on somebody, you get a foul. And that's what Paul Reed had to put up with all last year. These ticky-tack fouls. You, game after game after game, you see Rivers rolling his eyes on the side, and I get him out of there and pulling him immediately out of the game. All right, here's year two. And they're not as frequent, but he's still getting those damn rookie foul calls against him. So he's been swimming upstream. The coach has never had true confidence in him. He really has built up the confidence, and he is going to start. If Doc Rivers goes small ball, uh, TJ, P.J. Tucker starting center against the Celtics, I'll, I'll throw something at the TV. 
I think that this kid is in for opening even more eyes because he's such a hustle and energy player. He's got his own little fan base uh, that go nuts when he does what he does on the floor. B-ball Paul to the rescue. A hero is born, Jody. That's what I'm going with, Mac Man. Uh, I got those Sixers colored glasses back on, and I'm telling you, B-ball Paul, he's not Joel Embiid, but it'll be different and it'll be fun. Well, you can hang in with that for at least a couple games. Here's hoping it works. <laughs> Bill in Doylestown is with us. Hello, Bill. Good morning, gentlemen. Hey. How are you? Um, I think Howie is, is vastly improved. And a question for either or both of you guys. Uh-huh. Do you think when Chip Kelly was here and, and Howie went to wherever he went, he was instructed to learn and get better? Or do you think it's just a coincidence? Uh, I think it's somewhere in the middle um, because he – I mean, everybody knows what happens. He got exiled. Jeffrey Lurie didn't want him to be fired, but how he literally got exiled, exiled to the other side of the building. He talks very openly about how he spent those two years really studying and learning – uh, from franchises in every sport all around the world, British soccer teams, and you know, and and really learn how organizational organizations work and how scouting works. And um, it was a good way if you're on the payroll and your Jeffrey Lurie is still you know giving you a uh, biweekly paycheck. It's certainly something I'm sure Lurie appreciated how he didn't just steal the money. So I don't know if that answers your question, but that's that's what happened. Because I think he's vastly improved, and although I think a couple of picks may have been made because somebody fell in love with somebody rather than really looked at, um, I hate to use the the analytics thing, but sometimes your eyes tell you some things that um, stats don't. Um, So I think they've missed a few, but I I just think how he's done a much, much improved job over where he was, whatever that was, seven years ago, eight years ago. I give Howie all the credit for it and how he's built the organization and the like. Now, I will say this, and Howie's got a major plus. He's earned it. I'm not saying it was just gifted to him, but he's got this great relationship with Laurie, as Glenn just uh, broke down for you, how he spent that time when you don't usually get to sit in a big chair, get to go to recess for two years, and then get back to sit in a big chair again. That just doesn't happen in sports, but it happened here in Philadelphia. It happened to Howie Roseman because he's got such an outstanding relationship with Laurie and they've had the success they've had he gets to take some chances we just ran down the risk reward of Carter as their first draft pick there's some general managers who wouldn't, wouldn't touch the guy because they know if he comes in and we don't get him to mature and become a contributing member of society I'm done I'm fired Howie Roseman has built up such goodwill with his boss, he can roll the dice on some of these guys. And he seems to come up with uh, winning roles more than losing roles, and that's why he's sitting where he's sitting right now, the ire of every other general manager in the league because he's getting props from everybody, unlike the other GMs. All right, let's take a quick break. When we get back, Brandon in Wilmington has a comparison that I I think I might have made last week, which I think is – 
is frighteningly accurate. We'll get Jody's take on that. And your thoughts. Remember, Ray Dinger at the top of the hour, Brian Baldinger at noon. 215-592-9494. Jody McDonald, Glenn Mack, now on 94 WIP. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. Jody McDonald, Glenn McNeil, 94 WIP. Man, Jody, it's... It's nasty. Good luck to your daughter running in that race, man. Oh, that's funny. I just sent her a text and said, you finished yet? Question mark. If so, get warm immediately. Uh, she hasn't gotten back to me. But I, I literally sent it one yeah. minute ago. Yeah, it's it's cold and it's doesn't feel like the end of April. But anyway, good. And God bless all those people running that race. It's a, it's a terrific event for the city. Absolutely. All right, Brandon in Wilmington's got something. And, and um, I love this comparison, Brandon, so much that I was discussing it last week. So set it up. Yeah, so I said this to my son a month ago when the playoffs, we knew the players were coming up, and I, um, you know, he's just 14, and in the 90s, uh, my family and I, we had season tickets to the Flyers, so I was at many games, uh, and every year we would be holding our breath, can we get to the playoffs healthy with Eric Lindros? And if you remember, I'm sure you guys were together at the time, uh, you know, Lindros, the one uh, playoff series, took a puck to the eye early on against Buffalo, missed a lot of time. Mm-hmm. Um, the one year he was healthy throughout, they made it to the finals and get swept. And then the concussions came in, and he was, you know, that was the end of his time in Philly, and, and he missed so much playoff time as well. Um, so it just feels the same to me, the same issue with Embiid, where you're holding your breath right around spring when playoff time rolls around. Are we going to get through a, a, a playoff run with him? I think it's it's everything you said, and I even think it's more. I think it is the guy who's like the biggest, strongest, 
most powerful guy in the league, but he has metaphorically this glass jaw. Well, with Lindros, yeah. because it was literally, but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, but he, he's or Achilles' heel, whatever you want to call it, that he's got that always springs up. Lindros won that MVP this year. Joel Embiid won the MVP. It's a guy who, if not injured, I think would have one of the great careers of all time and be his name be up there with the all-time greats. You know, the the optimistic spin says with Embiid, the book isn't fully written, so the opportunity comes for him to change the narrative. But, Jody, I will certainly and 100% agree here with, Aaron, with Brandon, excuse me, that this is where it's headed. Here's where I'll take your comparison uh, a step further because I think it's dead on right. With Lindros, it was physicality. He was so much stronger and bigger than guys who could do what he could do. Usually it was smaller guys and quicker guys, but he could do it at his size. Well, there's a reason why there aren't guys like that because they're asking their body to do things that those who have similar builds just can't do. So when you're pushing yourself to do those kind of type things, you're pushing your body and sometimes your body pushes back. And it's the same exact thing with Embiid. At seven foot two, ability to set out, get outside, make jump shots, uh, dr- dribble drive past guys. Uh, he does things at his size that the very handful of few guys in the league that are of his size wouldn't even dream of trying. But he does, and therefore he puts his body to the test, and he ends up paying a price, just like Lindros did. Yeah, I feel like we're hitting we're we're hitting that late nineties time period right now we where we might have a couple years left. Um, but I'm fearful we're we're coming down to the last few years of this where um time is running short with our time you. with the beat, and I hope we can get there. Uh, amen. And nicely said. And it, there are so many parallels between these two guys, and you hope that this story ends happier than the other story did. But right now, given that Embiid looks like he's going to miss the first game, the first two games of the Boston series, a really tough one. And by the way, one where, you know, potentially you catch a break because Milwaukee gets knocked out in the first round. It makes the Stop. pathway a little bit easier. But no. Good things are not to happen. Painful is correct. That's exactly what this is. All right. Coming back, Jody, we will talk with our pal Ray Dinger. He loved the draft like you did. Uh, And we'll get his take and yours and the callers. 215-592-9494 on 94WIP. Leading Ladies, a concert in celebration of Women's History Month featuring Kelsey Ballerini, Megan Trainor, L. King, the King's Theater in Brooklyn, New York on Wednesday, March 20th. Tickets are on sale now. You don't want to miss this amazing night of music dedicated to uplifting women's voices. With Kelsey Ballerini, Megan Trainer, L. King, and Christina Perry. Odyssey's Leading Ladies presented by Olay Body. Buy your tickets now at kingstheater.com. All right, it is Sunday, so it's Jordan McDonald, Glenn Mack, now 94 WIP, joined, and I appreciate it. He's done this every week leading up to the draft, the great Ray Dinger is with us. Ray, first of all, thank you so much, and thanks to Maria for letting you do this during uh, the draft. It's It's been so great for us to, to have you on. So, thanks. Oh, it's been a pleasure. It's been, uh, it's been fun, especially this year, because... Uh, the Eagles draft is uh, certainly worth talking about. All right. So let us start with this. Um, 
The other night, uh, you, you're doing the show over at NBC Sports Philadelphia, and uh, Detroit, surprisingly, what is it, pick 12, I think, in the first round, right. reaches out, takes, takes a running back. And so Ray Dinger, talking to his pals on the TV set, says this. It's clear to me the Lions are going to trade him this weekend. The general manager as much as said so last night. He said, well, he's on our roster for now. So he's basically saying, hey, listen, if you want him, give us a call. The Eagles have draft picks, some this year, more next year. They're not going to ask for a lot. He's in the last year of his rookie contract. Money-wise, he's actually a bargain. And the way the Eagles have their running backs, they always go with two, three running backs to rotate anyway. I think this guy would fit right in. He would certainly fit the Georgia profile, and he brings you the added benefit of being a Philadelphia Catholic leaguer. By the way, Ray, Barkan on drums and Barrett on bass really add a lot to that. <laughs> I thought they did, too. I agree Really, it, it just makes that whole thing pop. All right. So that's you the other night. And then... Yesterday, Jody uh, in the morning does his show on Jacob Media. I don't know that Jody's got the instrumental accompaniment, but nonetheless, he said this. Let me throw a name by you, a player that they could acquire via trade. And I would suggest the amount that you'd have to give up would be next to nothing, like a certainly day three pick and maybe even a seventh round pick. Bring a homeboy home. DeAndre Swift is going to become the forgotten man in Detroit. (laughs) <laughs> all right. First of all, Jody, you got to get John McMullen a saxophone. But other than that, <laughs> I, I work. I work with two very smart people, and it does come true. And uh, Ray, I mean, from from the way you teed it up the other night, and the way Jody the other day, this seems like a really nice fit. It's a perfect fit. It it, it really is, and it's. Um... You know, it's it just one more chapter in the in in a tremendous weekend uh, for for the Eagles and for uh, and for the general manager. I mean, this was you know this was something I actually began thinking about when the Lions drafted Gibbs the other night because I you know they had David Montgomery who you know they signed as a free agent for a ton of money. Uh, it was obvious that uh, DeAndre Swift just didn't fit there anymore. And especially when I saw the general manager's comments that, well, he's on our roster for now. I mean, it was it was it was very clear. It was very well, clear that he was, he was eminently gettable. Uh, and he's a 24 year old guy in the last year of his contract, not making a whole heck of a lot of money. And as Jody said, and I certainly felt, I mean, you could get him for next to nothing. So why not? I mean, you have to, you know, Miles Sanders isn't here anymore. Uh, they were going to try and add a running back somewhere this weekend. You know, why not go get a guy who's actually had. Some some success in the NFL. The injury issue is a concern. I mean, there's there's no question about that. But also is the productivity. When he's on the field, he's good. And you put him in this offense, uh, behind that offensive line, um, that kind of quickness and that ability to catch the football, I think, I think it was just a great pickup. really was. And when I saw it on the uh, – uh, I, w- I had the NFL draft on. I don't know if I had the volume up. I might have been on the air somewhere. And I saw it go by on the crawl. Eagles acquired four. Fourth-round pick. I said, ooh, that's a little bit more than I thought they would have had to pay. Then I realized, fourth-round pick in 2025. you got to wait two years before you get the pick. That's discounting at least one round, if not more than that, which means it's about a seventh-rounder, which is what I said, a day-three pick, maybe as little as a seventh-rounder. He's the stone-cold steal, and the the, uh, eventual play-out is he'll do what he's going to do this year, and I think he'll be good. He'll catch the ball out of the backfield. He's a touchdown scorer. 
His first two years, he had eight and five. This past year, he had five, even though they had Jamal Williams, who became their goal line guy and got double-digit touchdowns, which means he could have had his eight again if they had called his number. You get him for a year. You get him on the cheap. If he leaves, he would be a compensation-eligible guy as a free agent, and they're going to get a whole bunch of extra picks last year. It gave Howie the impetus to do some of the deals he did because he had so much draft capital next year. I only see upside with DeAndre Smith being added to this roster, right? Yeah, I do too. I do too. And, um, you know, I, I mean, the fact that it's <laughs> and the fact that he's from Philly and the fact he went to the prep, that's that's great. You know, though, everybody likes a good homecoming story. Uh, and the fact that he also went to the University of Georgia. Yeah, well, that's uh, critical. So, so, he, so he fits that profile, too. Uh, and he also fills a need because, I mean, you had to get somebody who's going to replace Miles Sanders. And to be honest with you, I mean, I fully expect that when they start the season, he's going to be their starting running back. I really do. I think well, I think Gain, I think Gain, I think Gainwell will be what he was before, which is a guy that's going to play in certain situations. I think Boston Scott will play against the Giants, and uh, uh, you know, and, you have to uh, hope Brad think, Penny is upright. That's and, the, and, and, that, that's and the one. Hope, and you hope the, yeah, and you hope that you hope that Penny is healthy and he's able to give you the kind of power between the tackles that you're looking for. Um, so all of those things, if they fall into place, but I mean, right now, um, you know, I, w- I would put Swift as your number one running back, and for a for a very cheap price, you pay next to nothing to get him, as you said. And he's only making $1.7 million this year. And he's 24 years old. So, I mean, it was... I I was having these thoughts... Uh, for Thursday night and Friday, uh, that this is—I think this is absolutely doable for the Eagles. Uh, I think it's something they should pursue. I didn't know if they could pull it off, but I definitely thought they should look into it. And lo and behold, they pulled the trade. And uh, I think it was just one more—just one more element in what I think was just a—I mean, just a grand slam home run weekend for the Eagles. All right, so let's cover the the whole of the weekend. Actually, I'll go back a year when we were doing the show every every Saturday. And you were teeing up college football preview, uh, Georgia Bulldogs, one day. And you said, it's the best defense I've seen. I don't remember if you said 10 years, 20 years, whatever you said. That's the best defense I've seen ever. Well, there you have it. Okay. Um, And you said, you know what? If I were general manager, all I would do for the next few years is just draft kids off of Georgia's defense. Well, Ray, the Eagles have now become (laughs) – and it, this is this is a true fact. The first team since the the leagues merged in 1967 to select five defensive players off of the same school in a two-year span. Mm-hmm. So they've done it. So um, I mean, we, we know the guys they brought in last year, and Nicobe Dean really didn't play much. Jordan Davis got hurt, so you didn't exactly get bust out years from either of those guys. Uh, yesterday, we were able to discuss the the first two picks of the first round, uh, which I guess leaves us with the guy with my favorite name on the team, Keely Ringo. Mm-hmm. What do you know about him? Um. Well, I mean, if, if you're talking about the physical prototype of what you're looking for in an NFL cornerback, this, this guy is it. I mean, he's 6'2 and change. He's about 205 pounds, uh, runs a sub-4, 440. I mean, he's got everything. I mean, he's the total package. He really is. Uh, and he was that. He was the, I mean, he was a major recruit. Everybody wanted him. Uh, he went to Georgia. Uh, and he's yeah, – and I think that he played well. 
uh, and, and a lot of games he played really well. I mean, he's uh, because of his size and because of the long arms and because of his ability to turn and go. I mean, he's a, he's a natural press corner. He's really, really, really good at that. Uh, plays the ball well, tracks the ball well. Um, pretty physical as well because he's got the size. Um, and I think most people probably last year during the season would have projected him certainly to be a day, you know, maybe even a day one pick, but certainly a day two pick. I really think what happened with him is there there was some inconsistency in his play over the course of his career. I mean, some weeks he he didn't play particularly well. It looked like his uh, it didn't look like he was all you know he was totally mentally all into the game. Sometimes he would coast a little bit and give up catches he probably shouldn't. But most of the time it was in games that they were in control of, and it looked like he just kind of drifted on you. I think the game that hurt him, I think the game that that caused him to fall into uh, the fourth round, was the national semifinal. Uh, when Georgia played uh, played Ohio State, and uh, and they matched him up most of the day with Marvin Harrison Jr. and uh, and Marvin Harrison Jr. gave him a real rough time. Uh, I mean, he spun him around and made a couple big catches, one of them for a touchdown, and uh, and I, I really think that some of the scouts in their evaluation were looking at this and saying, you know, Marvin Harrison Jr. is the kind of receiver that he's going to be seeing pretty much every week in the NFL. Uh, and maybe this is an indication that he isn't quite as good as we thought he was. Um, and I really think that that one game is the reason that he was not a, a round two or, at worst, a round three pick. But in round four, he was absolutely worth the Eagles going up to get him because the physical part of it, he's got everything. He's got everything you could possibly want in a corner. I think he just needs to be, he needs to be coached pretty hard. I think he needs people around him that'll make him um, lock in in every week. But if he can do that and just kind of mature as a player, the physical part is there. If he can just mature as a player and bring it every week, I mean, this is a guy that could be not just a starting quarterback in the NFL, but a real good one. And here's good news for you, Eagle fans. I just double-checked. I wasn't sure. Uh, unless they play in the national championship or semifinals, Georgia and Alabama don't play this year. Because that could be a tough week in Eagle locker room because they got so many Georgia players and a whole bunch of Alabama players as well. So there could be some bad tidings leading up to that week. That could be a distracted week not happening until uh, they both make, and no one would be surprised if they both made the uh, yeah, hey, playoff hey, no final kidding. four. No kidding. And, and, here's, and here's something I said. I, I was only half joking when I said it when I said it on NBC the other night. But, I mean, thank God they don't hit in training camp anymore. I mean, because, I mean, you got all these Georgia guys on one side of the ball, and you got all these Alabama guys on the other side of the ball. I mean, if you had real wearing pads hitting practices and training camp the way they used to, you might have a brawl every day. But, the, I mean, the way, the way it works now, I mean, there's none of that. So, right. I mean, you'll probably see a little pushing and shoving and stuff. But if, the, if it was actually back you know, like a, an NFL training camp that you saw like in the 70s and the 80s, with all, with all of these guys and all of that history on the field on each side of the ball, yeah, I mean, you'd have some very interesting practices. Ray, one of the highlights every year is when you put together your sleepers and some of these guys have gone on to have terrific NFL careers, so it's one we always look for. I saw yesterday when the Cowboys drafted that little running back, uh, you had mentioned that their dad's a scout for the team, and they ended up taking him, and it was really actually a nice emotional moment. It was, it was, yeah, it was a, that was one of the better better moments of the weekend, I thought. It, yeah, was. it, was, it, was, it was really sweet to see, uh, but the Eagles ended up with two, and I think you only had six sleepers, so if the Eagles ended up with two, that's pretty good. One is Sidney Brown. We talked about it a little bit yesterday, but let's talk about the safety from Illinois 
Illinois. And the other one is a uh, defensive tackle from Texas, Moro Ajomo. Yeah, love Sidney Brown. He was one of my favorite players in the draft. Um, and I, I think I said to you and Mike yesterday when I was on with you, what 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 happened was I was watching I was watching some tape on Illinois to, to try and get a line on Witherspoon because I wanted to I wanted to just kind of see him because everybody was talking about him being a first round pick and he winds up going number five. So I'm watching it and yeah, he's a good player for sure. But I, I kept my eye kept going to this safety. I mean, <laughs> they had this safety that was all over the field, you know, tackling people, making plays, tipping balls, intercepting balls, turning the ball over. I, and I said, who is this guy? And I looked it up and it's Sidney Brown and he was their safety. Uh, and it was clear that even though they had a really good defense and a really good secondary, that he was the quarterback back there. I mean, he was the guy that was he was the guy that was setting the coverages. He was the guy that was doing all the talking in the huddle. Uh, and really a fiery 100-mile-an-hour type player who was always around the football. I mean, always around the football. So I just marked it down, and I knew because of his size, because he's only 5'10", that the pro scouts weren't going to love him, and he was probably going to drop in the draft. Uh, and But I thought that – and it was just about right. I kind of figured he's going to be a third-rounder. I just – I can't imagine he's going to drop out of day two. Uh, and if he's there, given the Eagles' need at safety – Boy, I mean, I think he would be a perfect fit. And lo and behold, the Eagles took him. And I, you know, and I thought that. And if you heard Howie and and Nick talking in the press conference afterwards, they made it very clear. They they talked to him, they talked about him as a red star player. In other words, on their draft board, they put red stars up next to certain guys. And so that means that he's a guy that all the scouts have signed off on. And he's a guy that we want to we want to have at the end of when the draft's over and all over and done with. You know, we want to have this guy. And they got him. And uh, you know, I think that. Uh, I think it's really true. I think the way he plays, uh, he's going to be really effective. He's certainly at, at at the minimum, he's going to be one of your best special teams players right away. But I, I mean, I think it's I'd be willing to predict you right now that you won't be too far into the season, if into the season at all, that he's not one of your starting safeties. I think he's that good. Uh, Ray, uh, this may be the biggest upset of them all, and this is. Uh, projected reporting, and I give guys like uh, Brendan Lee Gowton and Jimmy Kemsky a lot of credit for doing the hard work because as soon as the draft ends, the Eagles stay on the clock. Everybody in the National Football League is scrambling to sign undrafted free agents. I've seen a list of about eight guys who have been tied to the Eagles, haven't officially been not announced by the Eagles just yet, but other sides, other reportings are saying that they've happened. Eight guys and not one of them from Georgia. What the hell are the Eagles thinking, Ray? They're all gone. <laughs> there weren't they any left. They don't sit around to undrafted status, huh? No, you know, I think I think the the only thing the only the only one left to draft to Georgia right now would be Uga. You can go back and probably get the dog. They could they could sign him, which wouldn't be a bad idea actually, uh, given you my affinity for Bulldogs. Would love such a thing. <laughs> Maria right. Maria would love it if the Eagles brought Uga to town. Uh, yeah. But I mean, there's going to be all kinds of T-shirts made up and all kinds of and you've seen all kinds of memes online now about the Eagles and the and the Bulldog having the Bulldog dog face on the Eagles logo and everything. Hey, listen, it's, you know, it's true. I mean, Glenn, you're right. I mean, this has never happened before uh, that a team has drafted five defensive players from one college team over a two-year period. But if you're going to do that, then go to the best. And they did. And that Georgia defense was so special two years ago. And you've come away with, uh, you know, with the best players from that defense. So that's that's not a bad place to start. And you mentioned Ojomo, who I think is, um, you know, normally the seventh-round pick is a guy that you regard as developmental. He's probably going to wind up on your practice squad and probably isn't going to play a lot. I don't think that's the case with this guy. I, I, think, he's, I think he's going to come in and he's going to play. I mean, he's a 295-pound guy. 
that has a very good first step. I mean, he's really good out of his stance. He's powerful at the point of attack. Nobody can move him. I mean, he's he could probably stand some coaching. I mean, his technique is not the best, uh, but he. I mean, he's really strong. And the thing I really like about him, and this is something that I I just put tremendous value in, and it seems like it's oversimplifying, but it's not. Uh, he plays really hard. I mean, I, I when I'm evaluating tape and I'm looking at players, I, I want to see guys that play hard every snap. You know, guys that take take plays off bug me. Uh, and and one of the things that I give guys high marks on, and one of the things I really look for in the draft, are guys who just play hard all the time and look like they love playing football. And that's what drew me to Sidney Brown, and that's what I saw in Mauro Ojomo. I mean, you see, when you get 295, 300-pound guys, a lot of those guys take plays off. You see, I mean, you see it, even the good ones. They don't look like they play hard every snap. Um, Ojomo is, is an exception. I mean, he plays hard all the time. So I think he's going to come in here, and even as a seventh round pick you know i think he's going to push for play in time and i'd be very surprised if he's not dressing every sunday all right a couple other quick things before we run they draft a quarterback in the sixth round jody likes the kid tanner mckee stanford what do you think uh i'm surprised because he doesn't seem to be we were talking mike sealski asked me yesterday about quarterbacks that the eagles might be looking at in the draft and i thought they'd take one i really thought they would take one that would be more of a fit for this offense um McKee is, uh, you know, he's six feet six. He's 225 pounds. Um, throws the ball well. Um, has very nice touch on the ball. Uh, but he's just, he just can't move. Um, and if he does have to try to move, I mean, his mechanics just completely fall apart. And the Eagles' playbook is going to be built around a mobile quarterback and a quarterback who's going to be able to create things. Um, and that's that is not McKee's strength at all. When he gets under pressure and, and he has to gets flushed out of the pocket, then everything just kind of falls apart with him. I, I really thought that if they were going to draft a quarterback, I mean, I, I thought it would be somebody along the lines of like a, a Dorian Thompson-Robinson, uh, the kid from UCLA, um, who is kind of a dual threat runner as well as a quarterback. Or, you know, a Jaron Hall, who I mentioned to you guys yesterday from BYU, who has some of that same kind of um, extending plays kind of ability. Um, McKee is not that. I mean, he's. Uh, I mean, he's uh, he's out of the mold of the old school stand in the pocket, plant your feet, and throw the football kind of guy. He's not a he's not a creator, um, and um, so that's why. It, I mean, I think he can play, and I think that the Eagles will bring him in here and try and develop him. But if if it, some of the situation where he's going to have to get on the field and actually take snaps and play, then you're going to have to wheel out a whole different kind of playbook because uh, he is not Jalen Hurts. Could it be like? Nick Foles stepping in for Carson Wentz, who was a mobile quarterback who could get out of the pocket, make plays, and then you get the drop back, throw it, spin it as best you can, Carson Wentz. We've seen it work here in Philly before, Ray. Tell me it could work again. Boy, Jody, I don't know. I, I, think, the, I, think, the, I think the difference between, between Hertz and McKee is even greater then it's um, in, in terms of physical skill set and uh, schematically talking, I think the difference between Hertz and McKee is even greater than what you would perceive the difference between Wentz and Foles. I know what you're talking about, that Wentz was a mobile guy who could move around and make those kinds of plays, whereas Foles was more of a stationary, stand-in-the-pocket, tall guy, throw-it quarterback. Yep. But, I mean, Hertz and McKee are so different. Surprised me. It, it, it really did. I'm not saying it can't work, uh, uh, but um, I, I thought if they they were going to get another quarterback, and I thought they would. I thought it would be somebody that had more mobility and could do more of the Hurts-like kinds of things. All right, last one for me, and not because it's the least important to me. It appears they've signed a punter. 
And it appears it goes to your favorite school, Ray, Kansas State. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ty, oh, I want to back up. Let the record reflect that Ray Dinger used the word memes in, in Internet during this conversation. I heard that. Right? That, I can confirm it. That's an upset. <laughs> anyway, um, because this kid posted online that uh, he has been uh, he's headed to Philadelphia. Ty Zentner from Kansas State. Ray, I hated that punter last year, right up yes. to and through the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Do we know anything about uh, the young punter Ty Zentner? Uh, I'll, I'll take him over Aaron Sippus right now. Oh, <laughs> shot on Sippus goal. I'll take my neighbor over Aaron Sippus right now. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it was it was cl- it was clear that they were going to move on from him, uh, and. Uh, and yeah, I mean, it's, this was not a particularly great year uh, for specialists. Uh, even though, even though Bill Belichick seemed to think so, he drafted two. Oh, <laughs> I know, I can't, amazing. I, I can't, I can't remember. I, I, I honestly, I, I don't think it's ever happened. Up. I don't think that's ever happened. I, I was going to say, I have to look this up. I, I wonder if one team has drafted in one draft both a punter and a kicker. I can't remember it. I don't. It's uh, never but happened. But Belichick did. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I'm sure. I'm sure that what they'll do is a training camp. They'll have multiple guys. I mean, they'll have they'll have a kid from Kansas State in there, but they'll probably bring in a veteran or two and just make it open competition because they have to, you know, they have to get better. I mean, they really they really do. I mean, they you know they've got Elliott is a, is, an, is an excellent kicker. I mean, you don't have to worry about your place kicking. That's fine, and your snapper and your holder are fine. But um, but you really needed a new punter, and you need to upgrade the return game and the coverage. You know, the special teams overall last year, for as good as they were, really you know, really needed improvement. And that's something they're going to have to address. And uh, uh, I don't know if the, I don't know if, uh, if the K-State punter can come in here and be an improvement, but he won't have to be great to be better than Arisippus. Amen. Ray, terrific stuff. Thanks for joining us over these last few weeks. It's added a lot. And your, your enthusiasm over what the Eagles have done this weekend, which is shared by Jody, shared by me, is something I think the, uh, the fan base is, is pretty psyched up about. It's an A plus. It really is. I mean, uh, and, and I'm not. And I'm just. I'm not just saying that as a as a Philadelphian. I mean, no, if I look at the style. entire, if I look across the league, and there were some teams that had pretty good drafts. I thought Indianapolis had a pretty good draft. Um, but I mean, it, it, the only A plus I would give, I would give it to the Eagles. So hats off to Howie Roseman. I mean, he did a tremendous job. Drafted well, and the trade for and the trade for Swift was a masterstroke. Terrific, Ray. Be well, my friend. I'll uh, I'll see you on May the sixteenth at the Bryn Mawr Film Institute for our sports movie night. I'm really looking forward to that. All right, pal. Be good. Appreciate All right, take it, care, Ray. guys. Bye-bye. Go. He said, A-plus, hats off to Howie, masterstroke. Is that the words he just used? Uh, yeah, and meme. He snuck that in there, too. <laughs> I caught that. Yes. <laughs> That's, I let no Ray Dinger would know a meme if it popped off the screen at him, but there you have it. One wow. quick note before we go to break. Uh, you mentioned you would take one of your neighbors as a punter over uh, Aaron Sipas. Yeah. I can. You can't say that. You, you just can't. I know your neighborhood. That's not accurate. I could. You know who used to live down the block from me? Sab Roca. Oh, really? Sab <laughs> lived in my neighborhood. He was in the, the Dominion here in Martha, New Jersey. And, yes, he, he got even more people to go to his house on uh, Halloween, the kids in the neighborhood, because uh, he was – I was just a stupid talk show host. We don't have to go to the McDonald household. But everybody got down to the Roca household. But, yeah, he lived right down the block from me. I used to have an eagle punter live in my neighborhood. Still available? 
I think Sav went south, uh, <sighs> back to his native land of right. Australia. Okay, well, uh, Sav had his issues as a punter, but I take him <laughs> over. I take that Aussie over this Aussie any day. Uh, Brian in Brunswick, I appreciate your patience. We do, and we will get you coming up right after the break. He wants to talk about the Eagles draft. Two one five five nine two ninety four ninety four. If you want to join Jody McDonald, Glenn Mack, now this is a. Gloomy, well, gloomy the weather, but we're feeling pretty good about it. Sunday on 94 WIP. Jerry McDonald, Glenn Mack now, 94 WIP here until 1 o'clock. Uh, we'll get into the Phillies a little bit later, but nice to see them pick it up. Uh, back over 500 with some nice wins. But let's uh, let's stay with the phones, 215-592-9494, and talk to Brian in Brunswick. Hello, Brian. Good morning, gentlemen. Thanks for taking my call. I, I think um, Howie's got to get an A-plus, as Ray said, for, for this draft. I mean, he filled so many needs, particularly on the defensive side of the ball. And, and you know, moving down that one spot to get Carter was something I think he, he had to do because you never know what Chicago was going to do. And you saw what happened to the Jets. They had an offensive lineman that they were lining up, and they got skunked by New England and Pittsburgh, right? They moved back. The New England, uh, Pittsburgh came down and, and missed their, their their target. I think Carter was a target once Seattle passed. I think he was the guy he wanted. He got him. But for the rest of the draft, made great picks. Uh, I'm, uh, I've been serving in the Marine Corps. I'm particularly happy to see Tyler Steen uh, join us, uh, another Alabama guy who's got great credentials, will be well-coached, looks like a versatile player, guard, tackle. And his grandfather, I just read, was a Congressional Medal of Honor winner. So wow. there's great pedigree there. And, um, and as well as Brown, who I think is going to be a beast on special teams, probably will end up playing safety uh, starting at some point. But and then the Swift move. I remember watching him last year in the first game. I, I yes. Think, Who is this guy? <laughs> you know? So that was a he, great move as well. He killed it. You know, he averaged five and a half yards a carry last year. He only had 90-something carries. And I'm telling you, he had two runs against the Eagles in that game. Jody, I think he had two runs of 30 yards plus. Which yeah. probably gave him the five and a half. But. This will this will be an inside story between Glenn and myself, but everyone else can can comprehend it. You know who gave me the first scouting report on DeAndre Swift? Hmm. Adam Regner. Adam Regner, our former producer. Our former producer. Nice his, fella. His nephew was playing at St. Joe's Prep. And he used to go to all his games and uh, was, uh, I, I think he may have even volunteered to be an assistant coach or whatever. And he told me about him when he was a sophomore and said, they got this kid, Jody. Yeah, I'm telling you, he's going to be an NFL back someday. And he's 16 years old at the time. And I'm going, yeah, Adam, okay. I'm glad your, 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 your nephew's on a good high school football team. But he was raving about him years ago. So I've actually, because of Adam Regner, been following DeAndre Swift all the way back to his St. Joe prep days. Yeah, and, and they've got a running back by committee, which, you know, listen, uh, with some injuries, I mean, you got Penny's uh, susceptible to injury. You know, and you got Gainwell doing what he does. I don't think he's going to be a feature back, but maybe you don't need a feature back. Maybe this running back by committee is the way to go uh, hey, going forward. They did that, if you recall, in 2017, and they won the Super Bowl with uh, running back by committee. Corey, Corey Clement. As the third back catching big passes. Come in the on, Super give Bowl. me the other two, Brian. It wasn't that long ago. Oh yeah, well, of course the the big beast, the the, uh, the fullback. Uh, yeah, L B are the LB. initials. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you know, Garrett Blunt. It, it, Come on, give me the Garrett other. Blunt. Got oh, the other from you know, Miami. Funny, he, 
these, these guys, I know we picked them up midway in the season. Uh, Very good. And, uh, and then he got hurt uh, the next year against Tampa in that first game. Yeah, but I'll tell you what, uh, yeah, it's that's that's the way to go, in my opinion. I mean, between the between the tackles guy with Penny and Swift looks like he can go between the tackles outside, and then Gainwell third down back in Scott uh, Giants. Right, I mean, you got there, there's your yeah, back. There's your Scott against the Giants. Thank you, Brian. Yeah, 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 I love that. And Scott against the Giants. That's a it. Guaranteed touchdown. Yeah, that's. I, hey, it can work. You know, I I have no problem with with it whatsoever. I I I think you game plan against certain teams and say, okay, this is the Kenny Gainwell game, etc. And that that's uh, the coaching staff smart enough to figure that out. If, and you now have depth if not everybody stays healthy, which in the case of Penny and in the case of Swift is, uh, you know, can happen. All right. Let me let me be the wet blanket here for just one second, because no. you, you heard my A plus and absolutely given Howie Roseman all the credit in the world. Uh, he mentioned Sidney Brown as a special teams guy, which you hope that is the case. Unless, of course, he's starting, which he may very well be good enough to do at safety. That's one of the downsides of having running back by committee. If you're going to carry three and or four, and last year, remember, they had uh, the, the kid from San Francisco who was on the 53-man roster all year but was just inactive on, on game day, yeah. um, Sermon. How do you carry all these backs? And I don't know of any of them that play special teams. Um, somebody's got to play special teams. Somebody's got to play special teams. I don't think it's going to be Penny, and I don't think it's going to be Swift. So that's uh, a good – I mean, Boston Scott's part of your return team. Right. Can I'm I, talking coverage that? teams, yes. I know you are. I know. Yeah, no, that's a good point because they were bad at the, last year, and they, they need to get a they need to get bodies who can do that and do it well. So I hear that. Two one five five nine two ninety four ninety four. Work the Phillies into the next segment. We haven't uh, talked about them so far today, but we'd love your calls about everything that's going on with your Philadelphia Eagles and all the excitement around them, and of course the Sixers tomorrow night begin round two against the Boston Celtics, going in shorthanded as Joel Embiid. Uh, by all accounts, we'll miss at least the first game, maybe beyond that, with a sprained knee. Deja vu all over again. Well, hopefully not. But let's see what you have to say out there. With Jody McDonald, I'm Glenn Mack now Sunday on 94 WIP. And they go on to win last night again. They are now up to 15-13, and 13, Jody Mack, having won four in a row in seven of their last eight. How about that? And four straight series, which is kind of a key when you get off to a slow start and get below 500. Win series, win series, win series. You look up, you're above 500, two games above 500. little revenge against the team that beat you in the World Series this past year. And doesn't it work so much better when your aces pitch like aces, Glenn? Yeah, I was. Uh, that was going to be part of what I was going to run by you. Absolutely, uh, you got a terrific start from Nola the other night. I think it was the first time a starter on this team went eight innings during the yep. year. Which, I mean, these days in baseball, that's like pitching fifteen innings. And then Zach Wheeler comes through with a nice start. So that was uh, that was great to see and, and critically important, right? Those two both got off to slow starts, and with the injuries that you have in the rotation and otherwise, you really need that. Um, it's exactly what they need. Uh, and I'll add a name to this, this discussion of pitchers. I, I don't know what I believe long term, but Matt Strom, baby, unsung hero so far. 
Got to love Abs- what you see from that kid. Absolutely right. What are you going to do when he is the most logical? When Ranger Suarez is ready to go and he's now on a rehab assignment. So uh, I did see where they think he's going to need at least three, if not four, rehabs. So it's not like imminent he's going to return. But uh, shortly enough, he should be back. The key is who's going to get back first, Ranger or Harper? And it may very well be Harper, which no one would have thought back in the last weekend, the last week of March. Um, Strom makes sense going to the bullpen, but I don't know. I want to pull him out of the rotation. He's been that good. Uh, If it ain't broke, don't fix it, Mac, man. They're going to have a decision they're going to have to make here pretty soon. Well, what's the what's the latest on Taiwan Walker? I've not seen an update on uh, his I haven't either. injury status. Yeah, You're right. so, I mean, I have the feeling he's going to miss some time. I don't know. I mean, so the whole point is with a major league rotation, you have enough guys, unfortunately, being hurt all the time that I don't think they're going to have to make this decision on Matt Strom anytime soon and just let him keep doing what he's doing. And he is so fun to watch. Right. He's got that long hair flopping all over the place and he screams at himself and he talks to the ball. And he's he's really fun to watch. And he has been so good since he's been here. Listen, he he came off a decent year last year with the Red Sox. He was a situational guy, right? 50, yep. 50 games, 44 innings. So he's basically pitching, a, you know, with the league minimum now, three batters you got to face. It's kind of what he's doing. And um, this year, he hasn't he hasn't started. I'm looking at his at his uh, record. He hasn't started since 2019 with the Padres when he had 16 starts and wasn't very effective. I want to believe he's not pitching over his head, that he's not going to come crashing down to earth, but he's been an important part of their success so far. And, oh, by the way, like you point out, he's no spring chicken. Even though we might know not know much of Matt Strom because he hasn't been here, He's 31 years old. He's yeah, been, he's been in the big league since 2016. Yeah. So he's a guy who just hit his stride at age 30, had the good year for the Red Sox, got the earned, at least for the first couple, first month of the season, good contract from the Phillies. That's just good scouting by Dave Dombrowski at all for landing a kid like this who's performing the way that he is. Couple other guys. See, shame on me. I called him a kid. He's not a kid. He's 31 years old. I'm as guilty as everybody else. The older we get, the the longer (laughs) it used to be to be a kid was anybody under 21, then that went to 25, then that went to like 29. So to me, they're, you know. Jody, I, I have two kids, and they're both in their. Deep into their 30s, so they're all kids to me. Gotcha. Um, okay, we, we played the Castellanos home run coming in, and boy, has he had a nice comeback season so far. He's played in all 28 games for the Phillies. He's hitting 328. He's, he, remember, he started out the year, he just kept hitting doubles. So he's got 10 doubles, and he wasn't hitting a home run. He's now got four home runs, 17 RBI, second on the team to Boehm, who's got 21. Uh, and and shockingly good defense, including that highlight catch he made was a Friday uh, today Sunday a Friday night against the Astros, which was a lot of fun. And embracing the role of the heel as the Astros fans boo yep. him. Um, he's come back, and and by all accounts, he put in the time and he worked with Kevin Long, the hitting coach, and he's 
he he really was uh, disappointed at his own season last year and resolved to make it better. They signed him to that big deal. It didn't pay off last year, but I, I am liking everything I see out of him right now. And another note to his defense that will pay a premium at some point because, yeah, I thought he was, uh, to use the phrase, termed by your former partner, uh, Corner Butchers, uh, for Bohm and for Hoskins. You could say the same about the Philly outfield, the Corner Butchers, Schwarber and Castellanos, who aren't came in with reputations as not good defensive players. And Castellanos has absolutely played more better in right field than I thought that he could. You're going to need to keep him out there in right field. And uh, the manager has made the DH kind of a movable target, used different guys there, Schwarber more than anybody else, with Cave doing a good job filling in in left field when Schwarber is doing the DHing. Yeah, I, one of my fears coming in to the season was, yeah, Harper's coming back, and when Harper comes back, he's going to have to be the basically everyday DH, which means a lot of Castellanos and Schwarber in the outfield. Oh, I'm not sweating Castellanos in the outfield anymore because they're doing a pretty damn good job out there defensively. Didn't see it coming, but that's been the case. By the way, I just got a note from our uh, friend and colleague, Anthony Sanfilippo, uh, who, let's be honest, we're responsible for all of his success. He began as a producer Absolutely with us. Absolutely right. he has done since then, anything and we'll good. And never, we'll never let him forget that. Right. Anything good, we get credit for. Anything he screwed up, we had nothing to do with. Uh, so let, let that be on the record. But he, he just texted me and said... Um, while the Phillies have not made an announcement, it appears that Taiwan Walker is not going to miss a start. He's uh, he's due to start Tuesday in L.A., and that's by all accounts what you're going to see. So that's good to hear. Um, so the thing, getting back to the Castellanos thing and just kind of comparing and contrasting, as he, he had that rough year last year, first year free agency, pressure of a new city, certainly pressure of a new city where baseball is more, more important and the media focus is more um, acute than it was where he came from. And that's not unusual for big-name free agents. I, I remember when Lindor hit that with the Mets a couple of years ago, right, and then rebounded kind of nicely toward the end and is doing very well. Are we seeing the same thing this year with Trey Turner? <sighs> Might be. Hopefully it's a quicker turnaround, gets into the mode. Um, his average is dipped, but he's still – Mac, I still love the kid, even though his average is down into the 260s, I think, now when it was up at 300. A uh, little short on the power. That's one guy I overestimated. I thought he could be a 30-home run guy. I guess I got carried away by his World Baseball Classic power. He was the best power hitter on the uh, Team USA. Uh, hasn't hit for power. But he's, he's, he's putting bat on ball, and he is running the bases, and he's playing a w- above-average shortstop. Uh, I, I'm not ready to put him into the Castellanos, ooh, the transition is a tough thing category just yet. Okay. I hope you're right. Interestingly, he's doing much better on the road than he is at home. I've noticed that. He's had a tough time at the home stadium. So. Ooh, I haven't even checked those splits. I'll yeah, have to do let me that. see. Hold on. Let me see if I can pull that up while we're doing it. Let me get the 2023 splits. All right, here we go. Uh, okay, I apologize for taking so long to do this. Well, you know what? Let me get a caller in while I look for this. Joe and Marlton wants to talk about the Phillies. Hey, Joe. Hey, how you doing? I'm good. Hi, Joe. Yeah, I, I um, I've been enjoying the Phillies lately, and I, what well, you know, I think there's three keys actually to their success. And first thing is Castellanos. Yep. He's been. I mean, I. I 
you know, he's getting home runs. Brandon Marsh, I mean. What a year. What a a great year he's having. And, and again, what you hear from people around the team is that Kevin Long, the hitting coach, has worked with him. They were talking about this last night on the TV broadcast, how his swing is, uh, you know, used to be somewhat off balance and kind of lunging, and now he's really centered. And he, other than a few dumb base running mistakes early on, Brandon Marsh has been terrific. God, and he plays a great center field, too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's his uh, his emergence has been great. And hey, that, hold that, on one second, because I want to ask Jody a question. I'll ask you too. Jody, does does Carol watch the games with you at all? Um, not with me. Usually, we watch them separately because she goes. We're both channel flippers, so and if I flip the channel, it makes her nuts. So, um, so uh, I watch downstairs. She watches okay. upstairs. I, I will say this. So she, my wife. Uh, Judy will like she doesn't really watch the game intently but if I'm in the room watching a game and she's in the room she'll kind of be in the room and she'll look up she never fails to mention Brandon Marsh's hair and how and like what what is he doing with his what is with that guy never won't never will ever let it go anyway I'm sorry go ahead I don't get that either, but I, whatever. He's playing great. I, 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 you know. I, I, I it, it doesn't bother me at all. It appears to bother my wife a lot. Go on. Yeah, and the bullpen. I mean, uh, seriously. Yeah. What the Brassy did with the bullpen this year. I mean, it, I mean, early indications are re- it's really good. So. Well, it started slow. If you remember, the first week or two, it was pretty shaky, but it has stabilized really nicely. Oh, yeah. I, lo- that, I love that. That was the biggest uh, overreaction to, oh, my God, the bullpen still stinks again. What did them brass? It was 10 games, and people were ready to jump down the general manager and the manager and the reliever's throats. Oh, my God, we were supposed to have this great bullpen. Guess what? The bullpen is going to be just fine, and Jose Alvarado is the best relief pitcher in baseball. I know it's only 25 games, but who's been the best relief pitcher in baseball? His name's Jose Alvarado. Wow. Sweet. All right, so here you go. This is Trey Turner's numbers home and road. 13 home games. Uh, and by the way, he's played and I, I, I think started, I don't know if he's played nine innings every game, but he's played every game. 13 home games. He's hitting 200 uh, with an OPS of 505. Oof. 15 road games, he's hitting 313. Oh, you're exactly right. With an OPS of 825. Now, it's early enough in the season that that can kind of be coincidence, right? You need a bigger sample size than 28 games, 13 home, 15 road. But man, that's a markedly different kind of number that maybe, and I'm just going to I'm going to double down on maybe suggests that it is that kind of free agent first year pressure of trying too hard, squeezing the sawdust out of the bat. All right. Today is the 30th of April, right? Last day of April. Tomorrow's first day of May. Yes, sir. Let's you and I on May 28th check those numbers. Give him four more weeks. Mm-hmm. If the disparity is as great as it is, and you just laid it out, it's pretty damn great. Uh, I'll say, yeah, there's an issue here. He he may be pushing. He may be uh, just working too hard to justify the massive contract that he got, and somebody should talk to him about, hey, you, it doesn't matter. Road, you, home uniform, doesn't matter. Get out there and do what you do. You proved you could do it. You've done it over your career, and you've done it with our road games. Uh, just zone out of the 
fact that you are again in front of the hometown fans that know exactly how much we're paying you. I, I'll give them four more weeks before I'll put them under the microscope, but that's, that's a good call by you. It's pretty scary numbers. 215-592-9494. Coming up, we're going to check in with the great Brian Balding or Baldy on the NFL. We'll get his sense of what the Eagles did and maybe spread it out a little bit, talk about some of the other teams, certainly those in the division. He's Jody McDonald. I'm Glenn Mack now. Sunday on 94 WIP. Yeah, there was Jalen Carter uh, stopping a quarterback and lifting him off the ground with one hand last year. By the way, we are delighted to be joined by Odyssey NFL insider Brian Baldinger, host of the Odyssey original podcast, in the huddle with Jason LaConfora and Carl Dukes covering the entire NFL. Uh, Baldy's breakdowns on social media are must-sees all the time. Brian, thank you so much for being our guest, as always. Really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, thanks uh, Jody. Glenn, it's good to be with you guys. Uh... You know, uh, it was uh, it was a lot of fun this past weekend. I tell you that we're all kind of digesting it now. Then, I'm, and I know this is this is your thing, man. This is your meat and potatoes. You love this stuff, uh, and you're the, you're the best at it. And so, let's kind of break down what okay. the Eagles did. The Eagles are getting tremendous reviews all around. Uh, do you share that enthusiasm for what Howie Roseman was able to pull off during the weekend? Yeah, yeah, I do. I mean, look. Uh, we were all kind of questioned. There was two big stories that we thought would unfold in the top 10 picks Thursday night. Where would Anthony Richardson go? Would he make it in the top 10? He did. Went to Indianapolis uh, with Shane Steichen with the fourth pick. And then would Jalen Carter drop? Um, and how far would he drop? And Philadelphia stopped the drop. Uh, it was clear that Chicago wasn't going to take him. Therefore, they traded with the Eagles, got the tackle that they wanted. Uh, and the Eagles got, you know, maybe the most coveted defensive, uh, you know, talent in this draft. Now, he's, he's got a lot to prove. But just from a talent standpoint, I mean, he's better than Quentin Williams. He's better than Jeffrey Simmons. He's better than some guys who have had elite careers to this point. Uh, but, yes, that was, that was pretty amazing. Felt like that. And, you know, and then, look, I mean, Nolan Smith, nobody thought that he would last until the 30th pick. But he did. And so I'm sure the Eagles were taking calls to trade out of the first round and acquire more picks since they only had five to start tonight or start the draft. And for Nolan Smith to still be there, it's quite a haul right there. I mean, considering you're 30 minutes away from winning a Super Bowl and you can kind of latch on to two of the top uh, prospects this entire draft, that's, that's pretty amazing. Baldy, prior to your becoming this massive media star that you've become, you used to be an NFL player, and you were in locker rooms, and you played with guys who may have had some issues and the way that they went about their business and how distracted could they become. Let's be honest, Jalen Carter's an eagle because he had some of these issues. Otherwise, he's a second or third kid off the board taken. Um how did the Eagles keep him on the straight and narrow? Teammates, coaches, other people within the organization, uh, they, they take on a tremendous talent but also a responsibility. How does that work with an organization? Mm, you know, sometimes, uh, Jody, the players have to police the locker room. And if you're in the locker room on a daily basis with Jalen Hurts, Lane Johnson, you know, Jason Kelsey, Brandon Graham, Fletcher Cox, I mean, if you're out till five, I mean, if you're just out and you're not there the next day, uh, if you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing, I mean, these guys aren't going to be quiet about it. They're going to call you out. I mean, I think there's tremendous peer pressure 
to do the right things inside that locker room. It doesn't always happen that way. But, you know, young kids are going to do some things that probably aren't real savory. Um, but I feel like that's a good group. Just the, the names I mentioned, not to mention some of the coaches that are on that staff, uh, the owner. I think there's a lot of pressure just to, you know what, whatever's happened in his past, like let's, let's build on it. Let's build a sterling future. Because every one of those guys that we just talked about or just mentioned, they're on their way to, you know, great careers or are already in the middle of great careers or the end of great careers because they did the right things. I think, I think that's a big part of it, Jody, right there, the guys that are in that locker room. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brian Balding is our guest. Brian, the Eagles picked up DeAndre Swift for not, you know, nothing, uh, a ham sandwich, a, a, four, a fourth-round pick in 2025, uh, way down the road. Effective in Detroit, not always healthy. How do you see him fitting in, and how do you see I, – I guess the, the question is, how do you see the Eagles uh, running game working out with him and Penny and Gainwell and Boston Scott? Well, uh, well first of all, he's back home, you know, so, you know, St. Joe's prep, he's, he's back here now. Um, he's, he has had injury issues, but when he's on the field, he's highly productive. Uh, but you can say the same thing about Rashad Penny. Uh, he's averaged six yards a carry in his career, but he's had, he's been hurt every year. So, I mean, it was a committee last year, and you have to add Jalen Hurts to that committee. Um, but they were excellent with the tush push on short yards, goal line, uh, scoring, rushing touchdowns. I mean, he just helps. I don't know who starts, uh, how they determine the running back order. You're not going to keep four running backs healthy or active on Sunday. So there's some good competition to start with. Uh, Gainwell and Boston Scott have been highly productive in their roles. Uh, Gainwell was the star of the postseason for the Eagles. Um, but I feel like it's a committee right now. And maybe that's not a bad thing for DeAndre because when he was asked to be the starter, he, he, he could do it at times. He just couldn't do it for a long time. So maybe if you just, I don't know, put – put all the backs on some kind of a pitch count. Maybe you can keep them all upright and standing, although I don't believe you can legislate against injuries. But you've got nothing to lose with that pick. I mean, obviously, Jameer Gibbs going to Detroit uh, and signing David Montgomery, it, it kind of made DeAndre um, expendable. But they're going to get good competition at that position throughout this offseason training camp to figure out you know, who's number one, number two, and number three in the pecking order. Baldy, no, the Eagles are good at the quarterback position. Well, they better be $255 million later, Jalen Hurts. We all believe he's going to be very good for a very long time. But they did take a quarterback yesterday. And the NFL in general drafted 12 quarterbacks over the seven rounds, more than they ever have before, which was a bit of a surprising number. Uh, because last year's quarterback class was so marginal at best that uh, as many quarterbacks were taken, uh, Tanner McKee, a very different type of quarterback than Jalen Hurts. What do you think about the quarterback draft and specifically the one the Eagles selected? Well, I just think that, you know, when you looked around the league last year and in prior years, very few teams were able to go the entire season with one player. I mean, you have to look any further than Philadelphia. You don't have to look any further than San Francisco went through four quarterbacks. So depth is important. Developing quarterbacks is important. I mean, the Eagles have been doing this now for a long time. 
and been getting value for guys that they drafted, developed, and then ended up, you know, moving on from in free agency or trades or whatever. And so that's that's kind of Tanner McGee. He's a true pocket quarterback out of Stanford. He started for two years, but you know, he's six six. He's a big, big, strong arm guy. And um, you know, I think a lot of people thought that he would be taken a lot earlier than the seventh round, but he was there. I think, you know, developing quarterbacks is something that uh, Joe's always, I mean, going back to Joe Banner, but certainly with Howie, I think they've always sort of found that, and really going back to, to Andy Reid and what they did in Green Bay. I mean, they drafted a quarterback almost every year when Andy Reid was in Green Bay. It's just a philosophy, and it's a good philosophy. But young guys, and the thing is, what I like about Philadelphia with the young quarters, quarterbacks, and a lot of the young players is, Man, Sundays down on the field, two hours, three hours before kickoff, the guys that are at the bottom of the roster, free agents, practice squad, guys that aren't dressing, they get them a whole bunch of time down the field with coaches, pregame. And it's almost like an extra practice day. And you can bet that Tanner McKee will be down there quite a bit before the game every Sunday next year. Brian Balding is our guest, uh, Odyssey Insider. Follow him on Twitter at BaldyNFL. So you, you tweeted, um, I think it was yesterday, um, hashtag Bulldogs Forever. Uh, let's see. Jordan, Jalen Carter, Nolan Smith, N'Kobe Dean, Keely Ringo. This is your tweet. So much talent can the most dominant defense in college football become the most talented defense in the NFL. You toss three question marks after it, so dare I ask you that question? Yeah. Well, I, don't, I mean, look, if, if they play to their potential and to their athletic ability, which, you know, I mean, if that's in the eye of a holder there, Len. But, like, there's, there's significant talent that they've drafted. I mean, Jordan Davis struggled last year to stay healthy, stay on the field. But most defensive linemen take at least a year. You almost need to redshirt these guys for a year. I don't care what the name of the back of the jersey is. Aaron Donald, Khalil Mack. I mean, these guys need a year, J.J. Watt. They need a year to kind of figure the league out. So let's give them a year. But this is you, – you pick any game over – you know, go back to 2021. There's Davis. There's Jalen Carter. You know, there's uh, Nicobe, There's Keely Ringo. I mean, these guys are out there on the field, um, you know, just shutting teams down. Just watch any of these quarterbacks that got drafted yesterday. Anthony Richardson – Will Levis, watch these guys go up against Georgia and watch him play the worst game of the year over the last two years. I mean, that's what great defenses do. They make quarterbacks struggle. And so it's up to the staff right now to sort of uncork and unleash the talent and to get them to play together. But they have a chance to be what San Francisco was last year, the number one defensive football, what we have seen Baltimore do. They're doing it through the draft, which is a good way to do it. I know a guy who was an undrafted free agent in 1982, signed with a team down in Dallas, as a matter of fact, but then made his way here to Philadelphia. The Eagles have already gotten a couple of undrafted free agents to agree, not official yet, but there's some pretty good reporting out. Uh, And the Eagles take pride in the fact that they've had guys only once in the last several years if they had no one as an undrafted free agent make the team. Um, I won't even ask you to, because it's not officially confirmed yet, talk about the guys the Eagles have gotten, but... 
how how good is an organ? How much time does an organization put in to find a Brian Baldinger and or a Reed Blankenship to be able to step in and play as a rookie? How much do undrafted free agents really count in the NFL? Uh, look, I mean, stars win games for you, and stars are generally drafted, Jody, in the top three rounds, but. You know, you just paid the quarterback fifty, you know, fifty-one million dollars a year. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're not going to have money to just throw at, um, you know, the, the top talent every year when their contracts come up. You've got to develop the bottom of your roster. You know, you you draft, uh, you know, Tanner, you know, Keely Ringo in the fourth round. You draft the Jomo out of Texas in the seventh round. You sign some of the free agents. Uh, you know, we'll wait till it's official. But like, it's good that you can find Reed Blankenship in free agency so that when you have injuries at safety, he can step in and play really well, make a lot of big plays uh, for the Eagles, especially in the second half of the season last year. You need to find players at the bottom of the roster just because the, you know, the top-tier players on your team, the top 10 stars are going to eat up most of the salary cap uh, on most teams. And so when you can strike gold with you know, two or three free agents that you didn't have to pay a lot of money to, yet you get them for four years um, – you know, that's that kind of helps balance it out, you know, with paying guys like, you know, Hassan Reddick that they had to pay last year in free agency or keeping Fletcher Cox or Brandy Graham around or giving Lane Johnson extension. You better be able to strike with some players that can contribute at the bottom of the roster. And that's what free agents can do for you. All right, a couple more questions before we let Brian Baldinger go. Um, let's look at the, the rest of the division a little bit. I saw you tweet also uh, the Marka, Micah Parsons problem. Well, he's not the problem, but you write, <laughs> even a freak like Micah Parsons needs some help. Seriously, just watch this, Dallas. Uh, and you were showing a defensive uh, defensive tackle, I guess, how much they need one. They did uh, get uh, Mozzie Smith from Michigan. How did the Cowboys do overall in the draft? Well, I think Mozzie is a really important, you know, piece. I, I just felt like Micah Parsons, if he just rushed the passer rather than just played linebacker, he's he's a 20-sack guy a year. He's just that – nobody else rushes the passer like him in this whole league. But they've had no interior pressure at all um, for a long time. And they keep drafting guys. They just haven't been very good. I think Mozzie gives them a chance to crush the pocket the way we saw Javon Hargrave do last year, the way the Eagles hope Jalen Carter and Jordan Davis do this year. But I, I think the Dallas, you know, getting a tight end, um, you know, and screwing over made a lot of sense. I think they did okay. Um, I think, you know, Dalton Kincaid was out there. I think they could have benefited by him. But getting the defensive tackle is really, really important. Um, you know, and so they've always been good in free agency. They drafted two tight ends last year. We'll see how they develop. But Mozzie, I think, can make a difference on a really good defense already. And if he plays the way I think he can – Maybe Micah becomes even better than what we have all witnessed over the first two years. All right, let me double down on the uh, division. Uh, Cowboys draft to be determined. Giants draft got some pretty good grades from guys like yourself, media members who break down tape and the like. I thought the Giants got good grades. I was a big Jalen Hyatt guy, and they got him in the third round after they had a run on wide receivers to get a Hyatt in the re- in round three after not getting one in round one. I thought it was a pretty good uh, grab and find for them. You like what the Giants did? I did. Their uh, defense coordinator, Wink Martindale, um, you know, he had Deontay Banks as the third best corner in the draft, and he was the third corner taken off the board. 
you know, they, they really struggled last year once Adore Jackson was injured. They needed a top-flight corner. Deontay Banks is really good. I mean, he shut down Marvin Harrison last year against Ohio State. He's got fantastic tape. John Michael Schmitz probably starts at center for him. They lost two centers in free agency. John Feliciano was a position of need. Um, Jalen Hyatt is a burner. And, you know, they, I think that's an element that they, that they really needed. There was a big relationship between Joe Shane, the, the general manager of the Giants, and Josh Heupel, the, the Tennessee coach. So he went that route. And then Eric Gray is a burner, you know, at running back wherever he has played in college. Like, he's got home run hitting speed. I thought the Giants did really good. You know, they, you know, they got to figure out what, what they're going to do with Saquon and Dexter Lawrence. But, I mean, that roster got better uh, this weekend. And so I think uh, the Giants got, you know, hit some positions of need and got good value out of those uh, players they drafted. All right. So my last question, is there any uh, – two questions. One is, is there any team that you look at and you're just shaking your head over what they did at the draft? No, I don't, I don't generally do that. Um, be honest with you, Jody, because even if you said, okay, what's Detroit doing? Why are they drafting Jameer Gibbs with the 12th pick in the draft after trading down? Well, the Jets were going to take Jameer Gibbs at 15. I mean, that's just – I just know that pretty much as a fact. And so they had – you know, they had a – if they're going to pull the trigger, they better do it then. You know, and you could debate Jack Campbell, but, you know, they – linebacker was a real weakness for that team. Uh, they traded away T.J. Hawkinson last year. And they went back to Iowa and drafted Sam Laporta, who's a really good player. I mean, Broderick Martin out of Western Kentucky. I mean, they drafted basically an iceberg. I mean, when people run into that kid, they just <laughs> fall down like he's an immovable object. You know, and so I, I think Detroit did really good. And look, they could have taken Jalen Carter. Maybe he didn't fit the culture of what Dan, Dan Campbell wants. You don't really know those things, but I don't know. I thought as much as people are sort of taking shots at. Detroit, I can sit there and defend them pretty good. Last one for me, Baldy. On the NFL calendar, the draft is huge, and teams add talent, and everybody gets back into the National Football League in the middle of the offseason, the down season. Well, the next time it will ratchet up is soon enough they'll be putting out the schedules for every single mm-hmm. team. I'm not asking you as a media member, as a former player. Did you know? Did you care? Did you say, when I show up for camp, I'll notice who we're playing? I give your network a ton of credit because they make an entire day out of programming, out of a piece of yeah. paper, of all the teams. Who we all know who are playing. We just don't know the dates and times. And they do a great job pumping the NFL back up for 24, 48 hours. How big a deal was it when you were a player? It, it was a big deal. Not as big as it seems like it is now, Jody. Um, you, you know, you looked at, okay, national TV games. or You know, back then, there was no Sunday night. But, you know, Monday night was the big day. Right. We're going to get a Monday night football game. I mean, I was at Dallas. We played a lot of Monday night games. When I was in Philly, we played a lot of Monday night games. Um, I looked at the national TV games, and then I looked at, you know, a couple games, like players that you knew at your position that you had to go up against. I mean, if you were in Indianapolis, you had to go against Bruce Smith and in Buffalo twice a year. You're like, okay. When's Bruce coming to town? You know, just you, you, you would look at those kind of things. And I'm sure, you know, DeAndre Swift, I mean, the Eagles played, opened up with Detroit last year. They're not going to play Detroit this year. But a guy like DeAndre Swift coming from another team to the Eagles, like you're looking at a former team or team that you left and came here, you're, you're looking at that for revenge. And, 
All right, this is my opportunity. So revenge is a big deal for players. Um, I was talking to LaDainian Tomlinson this week. We were studying B. John Robinson together. And when he left the Chargers, he felt like he owed – you know, he wanted to show the Chargers. They had a lot left, went to New York. Jets actually beat him in a playoff game, went out to San Diego, beat the Chargers. So but for those reasons, I was interested. But now, you know, it is uh, – it's probably – the second or third biggest day of the year after the draft and free agency is the draft party. Yep. Yeah. It's, the league is amazing how it can create interest year-round. I mean, what, what, you came out in 82, and I know you were undrafted, but I remember in those days the draft was maybe on ESPN. It was like two guys. I read about it in the paper the next day, Glenn. It was that long ago. Right. There was no television. There you know, was, I, not right. I had to pick was... up the dorm, the dorm morning uh, herald. <laughs> to go find out, you know, where these guys yep. got drafted. Yep, there was nothing, and now it's it's one of the big nights of the year. Uh, Brian Baldinger, we always appreciate talking to you. Uh, Odyssey Insider Brian Baldinger, be sure to follow in the huddle on the Odyssey app or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Baldy, a pleasure. Uh, enjoy uh, maybe a little bit of the off season now. Yeah, well, I don't know about yeah. that. Take, I mean, take, a, a, good take time. a break before the schedule release. It'll be oh, here yeah, before no, you know it. You, you get you get a couple hours off. Take some downtime. Here, I'll, I'll take it, Jody. Glenn, great being with you guys, man. I appreciate you. Thanks, and I'll, buddy. I'll talk to you down the road. Uh, thank you very much. The great Brian Baldwin, a terrific guest, man. Uh, he, he, I was at WIP when you and I had first started, and uh, Angelo was hosting pregames, and I was on that team. And Tom Bigby always say to me, don't say so much. Let the other guys talk. Okay. Uh, but one of them was Brian Baldinger, whose career, I think, had just recently ended. And he was trying to break in, and, and he was part of that and getting started. And you just knew that, like, he knew what the hell he was talking about. And he's built a terrific career out of it. He's, to me, one of the most respected names covering national football. I'll always listen to Baldy. And uh, we can give Marv respect. Yeah, he's a Philly guy. You work with him 20-plus years ago. You know he gets the respect on the network? It when, when he's on, and I watch way too much NFL Network, but when he's on, the other guys that he's working with, like, uh, I don't want to say defer to him, mm-hmm. but when Baldy says something, they don't seem to argue. They, yeah, they don't challenge Baldy. What Baldy says is almost biblical. Uh, yeah, he, he's gotten and it's earned every bit of respect as a football an- a- analyst he has gotten. Absolutely right. All right, so here's the deal, and we appreciate Brian's time, uh, and we appreciate everybody listening and your patience. We've cleared the lines. Uh, we haven't taken calls in a bit, so if you want to get on and talk about this Eagles weekend, which we hope will prove to be as epic as it looks right now, about the Sixers beginning the second round of the playoffs against Boston tomorrow night, about the Phillies' nice play as of late. Whatever's on your mind. Actually, I want to throw an NHL playoff thing at Jody when we get back. Whatever you're thinking about, uh, give us a call now, 215-592-9494. Along with Jody McDonald, I'm Glenn Macnow on 94WIP. With Jody McDonald, I'm Glenn Macnow, 94WIP. Jody, we've talked about everything. We have not talked about hockey because we don't have a hockey franchise these days. But have you been keeping an eye on the NHL playoffs? I have, and I will be watching watching intently one game tonight. That would be the Panthers and the Bruins. And I got a great tweet last night. 
if the Panthers pull this upset today, Miami becomes the upset center of the sporting world because the Heat did what they did to the Bucks last week, eight over one. If the Panthers do this to the Bruins, it might even be a bigger upset. Oh yeah, because the Bruins were a more dominant team in the regular season than the Bucks were. They will have Miami will have knocked off the number one seed not only in their matchup but in the entire league two weekends in a row. Yeah, I bet the Bruins to win the Stanley Cup championship before the playoffs started. I got plus 330, so I just thought they were one of the scariest regular season teams. Well, be, best regular season ever. Yeah. I, I said, mean, how, how do you not take 3-1 to one plus to, sure. to win a championship? Yeah, it could be out that money by 9 o'clock tonight. So you got that game tonight. Then you got Kraken Avalanche decider. Uh, defending champs, a lot of injuries to that team, which is, which is trouble. Maybe Seattle pulls off an upset in its second season. Uh, and the one that really I, I particularly enjoyed was last night. The Leafs broke a 20-year drought of winning a round right. in the playoffs. Not of winning a championship. Not of being in the championship. Of winning a round. I think they were 0 for 10, I think, in deciding games over the last 19 years. And they finally win a game. And they showed the fans in Toronto going nuts. And listen, it's, Toronto is as good a hockey city as exists in this mm-hmm. world. And you want to talk about long-suffering. They haven't won a cup since, I think, 1967. Thereabouts. And for them to for them to win a round was great. Now they get to play whoever wins Bruins Panthers, right? Which oh by the way, uh, both of those whoever comes out of it will be a little bit tired because this has been a grueling seven game series. But they had a grueling six game series. Mac, I say this all the time, and I know I used to say it with you. Despite the fact that hockey is my fourth favorite major sport, um, basketball, football, baseball, all before hockey. The chase for Lord Stanley Cup is the best. The The yeah. playoffs in the NHL are better than the playoffs in any other sport. And this first round of the NHL playoffs have lived up to that. I agree. I agree. And by the way, just uh, one more. Tomorrow night is Game 7 Rangers-Devils. So that'll, that'll also be great. It'll be a great game. Yeah, we got a couple of uh, Game 7s, and it uh, doesn't, doesn't get any better than that. Talk about back against the wall. Yeah, uh, that's why Game 7s in uh, hockey playoffs are just phenomenal. Nick in Collegeville joins us. Nick, you are concerned about the draft? Is that what I'm reading? Well, no, well I, I really like I like the talent, and, and I, I like the players. I think you said this last week, or, or Ray Diddy said this. Nick, do me a favor, because I love hearing yeah. you, but I, you sound like you're talking from uh, down in a sewer grate. Are you? Uh... Yep, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fix that right now. I apologize. That's okay, but okay. I want to hear you better. So, um, there you go. I love the talent. I love the names. I'm a little concerned that uh, there's a lot of Georgia guys there. And you know how young kids, athletes specifically, they go to a college, especially a big college like that, and they're kind of big man on campus. Like, they fall in love with that to the point that we've seen colleges have some horrific endings to, you know, some criminal stuff. Um, I'm worried about what the team's going to be like in two years when the veterans go, when the big voices and, and you know, the big people – that they kind of run, they kind of run the Eagles inside the locker room that everybody looks up to. They're all gone. 
like, could there be a fallback? A full, could there be a, you know, just, you know what I mean? Like, I hear, you, no, listen, people. I, I, right. I, do, I do hear your point, which is you have a bunch of, it's, it's like a bunch of high school friends go to college yeah. together and like they could act like knuckleheads. Now, I hope right. in two or three years these are all men and not right. kids and that they learn the lessons that they're going to learn from the Brandon Grahams and the Fletcher Coxes and those guys when they are gone. Um, but I, this, while I thought it was really cool that the Eagles got all these guys from this program, which is the best defense anybody's ever seen, there gotcha. is a little – There's, I don't know. I don't want to voice it the same way you did, but there's a little part of me that thought – I wonder if there's a downside to that. Yeah. And maybe that well, is the downside yeah. is they is that they have a click, is that they have a club within a club. Well, here's the funny thing that I thought. Everybody was raving on what Howie did. I'm going, why didn't somebody else do this? Why didn't somebody who was at six or seven decide to, to pick exactly what – do what exactly we do? It's like, it's like the stock market. When everybody loves something, you kind of got to go the other way, you know, because it's not that easy and obvious. Um you know, it's we'll see. Listen, we'll see. Here's where I'll try and assuage your fears a little bit. And sure. I don't know this, and we sure as heck didn't see it because he never got the chance to play. Everybody raves about the type of leader that their new starting linebacker is going to be. And I wanted right. to see the Eagles take him in the second round. I hopped on Twitter when it kept coming down in the second round. They got to take a linebacker. They got to take a linebacker. They and sure enough, they end up getting him in the third round. But I believe that he is the leader of that group. He might not be the best player, but I believe he's the leader of the group. And everyone talked about I remember last year in camp that if he gets a chance to play, they would have have confidence in giving him the red dot on his helmet that he would be the guy calling the signals in the lot in the uh, huddle uh if nicobe dean is everything that i think he can be he'll be the guy who will become the next eagles veteran leader take charge type guy and i have faith that he will have that kind of uh impetus on his former fellow teammates down in athens georgia great show guys have a good weekend right, thank you nick always a pleasure to hear from you yeah well Nicobe Dean and Jordan Davis, you hope, the, the expectation is they step up big time this year. Now, Davis started slow, got hurt, was playing better, then got hurt. Kind of that ended that. Nicobe Dean really never got on the field um, other than uh, special teams. And the one game, was the game one game. Dallas? Yeah, the, the one Dallas, game he got a chance game, to yeah. play, he made yeah, plays. Yeah, he he was flashed. Yeah, he was. Yeah. Well, so let's hope that that all that all works out. Hey, a couple of things I wanted to ask you about while we have a moment: the trade between the New York Jets and Green Bay Packers to get Aaron Rodgers as a member of the Jets. Was he uniform number eight? That yes, number? going with eight. He would not, even though Joe Namath gave him permission to use the retired number twelve. He said, "I'm not doing that." I, that was no, the no, right. No. That was that was. I thought that was smart by him. Correct. You don't you don't want to open that door. So that was good. Uh, how do you feel about – I know you're excited to get him over the guy you had as a quarterback last year, uh, but how do you feel about what the Jets gave up and how that's going to play out? Uh, no, no problems whatsoever with what they gave up. It was, was kind of like the whole Lamar Jackson thing. 
and I said this on uh, Birds 365 on Friday. I thought the Ravens should actually give the Eagles draft compensation because they basically got uh, the Jamar deal done in Baltimore. They took the Jalen Hurts deal. They added a million dollars a season just right. so he could say right. he's the highest paid player in the game, that's and that's exactly. his contract going forward. After six months of just back and forth and putting him out there on the free agent market and nobody making an offer and is there collusion in the NFL. Oh, as soon as the Jalen Hurts deal got done, the Lamar Jackson deal gets done. So I thought the, the Ravens should at least acknowledge it. Send up some crabs from Baltimore to the Eagle organization for helping them get that done. Um, it, the deal got done with Lamar the way it was supposed to. It just took longer than it was supposed to as well. The deal got done with Aaron Rodgers the same exact way. It needed to be a second-round pick, a future pick that would be dictated by how he plays in his year with the Jets if he sticks around. I think the deal was what it needed to be. It just took them forever to get it done. And, yeah, the Jets are going to be a better team because of it. They had such lousy quarterback play last year. Aaron Rodgers isn't the MVP type Aaron Rodgers anymore. There's been a drop-off, not drastic, but a drop-off. But that's still such an upgrade if you're a Jet fan. you gotta got to love coming into this season. And I think they had an okay draft yesterday, uh, the last couple of days. I can't second-guess their first-round pick because anytime you add a McDonald, it can't be a bad thing. <laughs> and that's exactly where they went. My daughter knows what she's getting for Christmas, a Jet jersey uh, with McDonald on uh, the back. Uh, so I couldn't complain about that. Joe Douglas killed it last year. Offensive Rookie of the Year, Defensive Rookie of the Year. you got to have faith in him. I don't think they had the Eagles draft, but I don't think they had a bad draft either. Will the Jets make the playoffs in 2023? <sighs> they have a talented enough roster to do so. The problem is the AFC is just that good. Yeah, uh, good. And that's why the Eagles are prohibitive favorite to go back to the Super Bowl again. The NFC is just, and, and the NFC took steps backwards by letting yeah, San Francisco like did not move forward, I think. No, they, they had minimal draft picks to use at the top of the draft. They had a bunch of seventh rounders. Okay, we'll see if they can reproduce what they did with Brock Purdy again. Good luck with that. Um, no, I... I and the, the, the only thing that scares me about the Jets, if the Jets were in the NFC, Glenn, and you asked yeah. me a question, I couldn't say absolutely in the playoffs quickly enough. Yeah, well, there you go. Uh, and we were talking about how well the Eagles did, and I was looking at draft report cards. I always take them with a grain of salt because it's really all projection. It's You don't know how the guy's going to be till he is, and we've seen, I've seen draft report cards glowing about guys who ended up being a bust. But I asked uh, Francisco Rojas, our producer, to keep his eye out. And uh, you got a couple you can read to us? Yeah, I got a few. Um, so this one's from NFL.com's Chad Rooster. I think that's how you say it. Uh, day one grade was A-. minus. Day two grade was A. Day three grade was A as well. Um, and the short excerpt here from that, um, Philly took two Georgia players in the first round, trading up a spot for the ultra-talented Carter and then getting a bargain in quick edge off-ball linebacker Smith. Steen meets a need at guard and can step in at tackle in a pinch. Uh, the athletic, the athletic compactly built Brown will make plays against the run and pass as a rookie. Um, there were questions about Ringo, but his size, speed, and playmaking ability made the Birds willing to take the risk of trading a 2024 third-round pick to land him, um, sending a 2025 day three pick to Detroit for uh, back DeAndre Smith as a win for both teams. It was a good idea to pick McKee for the backup competition, um, and Ojomo will be a nice rotational piece at a three technique for Philly. 
Okay. Sounds pretty good to me. Everybody seems to like it. If they like it, I like it. Well, that's not necessarily the case, but I do like it. Uh, Jody McDonald likes it as well. Jody and I are back for one more segment, and you can reach us, 215-592-9494 on 94WIP. I'm Glenn Mack, now joined by my pal Jody McDonald. Jody, what's the update on the Broad Street run? Proud Papa. I did text my daughter. I said, did you finish? She said, yes. I said, did you get a timer? Is it impossible in that big a field? She did it in under two hours, uh, hour and 58 minutes. She did finish up, uh, and she is now uh, relaxing and taking it easy, but uh, I couldn't be more proud. Shoot, when I was in my 20s, Mac Man, the late 20s, you knew what my athletic prowess was. You were part of the WIP charity basketball yeah, squad. Yeah, you played hoops. Yeah, uh, I wasn't running 10 miles. Built, that's for no, damn no. sure. You weren't quick, built for endurance. Quick bursts, and that's it. Yeah. Get back and uh, play some defense. Uh, but I'm very proud of my daughter in that she's now well into her 20s and still is taking care of herself and trying to stay in tip-top shape. And uh, she was surprised she was able to get into the Board Street run. It's a Philly thing. She's a Philly girl. And and she was able to complete it today, and I want to tell her I'm proud of her. I think that's great. Good for her. I will. I will uh, add to those uh, congratulations. Good for good for Maddie, and congratulations to all the people who run. Man, I saw yeah. the pictures of people headed down there today uh, in horrible weather. They weren't going to be stopped. They did it. So good for all of them. Um, before we go, just just curious, your take uh, the Jonathan Gannon story broke. Oh. A little kind of, you know, under the radar because of everything that was going on this week. But it ends up that the Arizona Cardinals have to pay the Eagles. They come to a deal. Jeff Lurie comes to a deal with Bidwell, with their owner, which essentially gives the Eagles a third rounder for tampering that they did before this Super Bowl in terms of hiring Jonathan Gannon. And I, it bothered me more than it bothered most people because I thought Gannon was pretty absent for that Super Bowl. I thought the Eagles' defense was terrible at adjusting. You can blame the players too, but some of it has fallen the defensive coordinator. And then at the end of the Super Bowl, he was basically out to the degree that, like, they do the postgame news conferences and, you know, he's already got his bag packs and is out the door. Um Leave me with a really bad taste. I will be honest. I will root for Jonathan Gannon to fail wherever he goes. I'm not going to go quite that far. Well, not in I, his marriage, but I mean, <laughs> in, you know, in the, in the NFL. Understood. Um, yeah. Uh, well, but if you want to be, if we're taking shots at everybody. I'll take a shot at Howie Roseman, too, uh, as we sing Howie's praises for having an unbelievable three days in the NFL draft. When asked about it by Ruben Frank of WIP, he got really defensive about it, and uh, that's the NFL. Uh, he got defensive about any questions on Jalen Carter. Uh, guys handling their media duties this week I don't think were at their best. And no one worse than Jonathan Gannon because he steps out and says every Philadelphia media member wanted to see me fired when I was the number one defense in the NFL. What the hell are you talking about? And then after the draft this week where the Cardinals, I told you, at least one outlet gave him an A-plus, he didn't make himself available once. Yeah. He doesn't come back to Philly and face the music after the defensive collapse in the second half against the uh, Chiefs in the Super Bowl. And he never faced the media once because he did earlier in the draft, pre-draft, and he said something stupid about Philadelphia burning every bridge back here in town. 
Man, these guys, Howie Roseman, outstanding, great job, general manager of the year again. Uh, I didn't like the way he handles, handles some questions, but you're right. Jonathan Gannon looks overmatched to take over an NFL franchise right now. Yeah, it's a darn shame to see if he doesn't work out for him. There you go. <laughs> hey, Sean Steichen, Shane Steichen, excuse me, in uh, Indy. All best wishes to you. Hope you do really well over there. You got a nice, young, interesting team. Jonathan Gannon, no, it's not going to work. Anyway. All right. Speaking of Ruben Frank, he is up next with Rob Ellis. But before we get to that, let us talk to our producer, Francisco Rojas, and find out what did we forget to talk about today. All right, guys. So first up, um, this guy would have got. brings a soundtrack. Yeah. yeah. Always he, he gets music. Uh, listen, this guy would have got uh, obliterated in Philly if he had done this. Uh, White Sox, Luis Robert, uh, the other night, uh, did not hustle down the line. He got benched the very next inning, and his explanation was this. What happened was last Friday night, I hustled a lot down the line. Today, my legs were a little tired. My right hamstring was a little tight. Then I decided to just play conservative today. I think my mistake was I didn't tell anybody. I didn't tell the manager because I knew if, so- if I said something to him, he probably wouldn't let me play. Who's that remind you of, Glenn Mack, now? Jimmy Rollins. Exactly. One of the only things about Jay Roll's entire time here in Philadelphia that bothered me was that every once in a while he would say, yeah, I didn't run. I'm protecting myself. I'm saving myself. No, that doesn't work. It doesn't. I, 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 well, I got nothing to add. It doesn't. It's a bad look. Okay. What else? Uh, so also in the baseball world, a uh, 33 year old Drew Maggi finally yeah. called up to the majors, uh, just this past week and a half, I guess. Um, and finally got his first career hit. Here's how it sounded. I love that story, and it, it, there's even an, a twist to it, which was he got called up, and then I think somebody was hurt, and then the guy who was hurt was ready to play, so he was going to get sent down without playing. But when they a game got rained out, so they had a double header, and when there's a double header, you get to carry an extra player. So they said, stick around a day, we'll keep you on the roster for the double header, and he got in the game late, and he got the hit. And who knows if he'll ever get another hit, but that man got a hit in the major leagues. And for those guys who dedicate, what would you say, 13 years in the minor leagues to get that opportunity and, and get that moment was just terrific. And, oh, by the way, Glenn, although we're uh, getting excited because the Phillies are playing better baseball and above 500, they're only the second-best team in Pennsylvania. The Pirates have the best record in the National Holy League. Holy cow. How the hell are they doing that with magi type moments? I guess right. And now guys want to sign with them. It's things are uh, the, the Pirates have been down so long. And talk about a suffering fan base. I, I kind of I'll root a little bit for the Pirates right now. Same here. One more? Yeah, last one sticking in the baseball world for all three. Um, The first MLB regular season game ever in Mexico City uh, yesterday. The Padres beat the Giants 16-11, to and 10 different players, five from each team, hit homers, tying an MLB single-game record. Yeah, my only comment on that is I had three of those guys on my fantasy team, and the guy I'm playing with had another three, so I— I was keeping a close eye on that game yesterday. The air was thin down there, I guess, Jody. Yeah, the balls were flying out of that ballpark. And uh, this one, I, I'm sure, made uh, more of a uh, hit-home point with me than you. 
I love the fact that the Padres players wore masks prior to the game as an homage to the uh, Mills Mascaris and the WWE superstars, the wrestling stars yes. from Mexico who wear those masks. A whole bunch of Padre players came out in the masks before the game. Yeah, those Mexican was wrestling masks are a blast. Yeah, let's, uh, just to clarify, it was they, they were not uh, COVID masks. They were no. Mexican <laughs> wrestling masks, which were very cool. Well, Francisco Rojas, great job. Jody Mack, love it, pal. And again, congrats to your daughter for that race. Good work. I by will her. see you in a couple weeks, right? You're off next weekend? I am off next weekend. That is correct. Uh, Rob Ellis and Ruben Frank coming up next. Everybody, enjoy the rest of your day right here on 94 WIP. Why? Why? If you Why? have T Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases and shop top mattress brands like Stearns and Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval, no minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. We all agree that reducing carbon emissions is a good thing. And once again, Toyota is leading the way. We hear a lot about fully electric vehicles, and Toyota has them, with more coming in. But we also know a BEV is not for everyone whether it's because of cost, range, or concern about finding a charging station when you need it. Plus, the raw materials used to manufacture batteries are limited. Enter Beyond Zero, Toyota's vision for a carbon-neutral future. In vehicles and in manufacturing plants, too, in the years ahead. The materials used to make just one long-range battery for an EV could be used to make batteries for six plug-in hybrids or 90 gas-electric hybrids. That's why Toyota's position today is electrified, diversified, empowering you to choose how to reduce your own carbon footprint with the vehicle that's right for you, a hybrid, plug-in hybrid, or battery EV. So shop, learn more, and get details at toyota.com slash beyond zero. Toyota, let's go places.